From the accents to the wood chipper, we decided to look back at the movie that helped make Minnesota famous. WCCO's David Schumann spoke with local actors who starred in the film and visited some Twin Cities area locations where they shot some scenes. And well, gosh, yeah, we hope you enjoy it. My wife. You can't talk about Fargo, let alone celebrate it, without bringing up the accents. And they turned it up to 11. Yeah, you know? they did. They went just, just, just past. They wanted to kind of highlight it. I remember seeing the film and I thought, oh, I should have done it so much more. That's Michelle Hutchison. She grew up in Minnesota and playing the escort opposite oh. Steve Buscemi was her first film role. Michelle joined our little Fargo reunion along with Tony Denman, who played young Scotty Lundegaard. Even as a 40-year-old man, I'm still the kid from Fargo. <laughs> and Larissa Kokerno, who was in one scene. I didn't grow up talking like a Minnesotan, but gosh, I can get into it any second. I spoke to them on the roof of the downtown Minneapolis club parking garage, the same place a Buscemi shootout scene was filmed. Joel and Ethan Cohen, who wrote and directed Fargo, are from St. Louis Park and used several Twin Cities locations in the movie. There's a shot of the Lakeside Club in Matamidai. An attendant in the movie is killed in a booth at the Center Village parking ramp in downtown Minneapolis. Yet another local location. This room right here, number seven at the Hitching Post Motel in Forest Lake, is where William H. Macy's character was arrested at the end of the movie. The motel still open today. He's like, yeah, this was like in that movie Far the, or Fargo or something. I was like, really? You go to New Orleans. I've been, you yeah. know, you know what I said. I thought that you'd be practicing your uh, Minnesota accent uh, going into this week. Nah, that's close enough to did, how we talk. Did you, you know? did you accidentally watch the movie The Big Easy? Did you think we were talking about critically acclaimed film The Big Easy this week? Yeah. I'm not, I don't have notes on that one. I'm not uh, prepared. That one. With I, mean, the, I love it. It's pretty with fresh all those in my memory. people um, in it. You know the ones. Uh, I think it's Dennis Quaid. Stars oh, in that one, I'm God. Sure. Doesn't he? It's a Randy. Louisiana private eye. I'm a private eye. I solved the case. It was gumbo. We got a saying. Gumbo killed the woman. Down here in the bayou. Yeah. They say that all the time. Yeah. It's one thing One thing you can set your watch to. You're taking a trip down there. They're going to be saying boogadaba everywhere you go. What a... What area of the uh, continental United States oh, talks no. the this stupidest? Mass geography corner right here. Well, I know you're just baiting me right now to give you an opening to start ragging on people in Massachusetts. So Ooh. why don't you just go into Ooh. it? And just start your ripping on Boston right now. Uh, I know how much you love to put those people I don't down. Know. I think I'm over those jokes. Oh wow! So yeah. beneath you now, you're not even going to yeah. address them. I'm done with that guy. Yeah, those guys are Boston. Uh, I <laughs> that think guy underrated. Uh, people from Philly are underrated in how stupid they sound all the time. <sighs> Philly, I can't place, but like that Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm, yeah, they talk like it's a little bit of dark, that, but with dark like, com. With like saying more, saying jag off more. Hey, make like sure you got a particular thing. Make sure you got a baby oil and blow dark com. Talking about going to the Wawa. Wawa, yeah, it's a, it's a dumb sounding hey, word. Hey, go already. to Wawa. Wawa dot com. Wawa dot com. They talk like idiots. Mm. 
For sure, yeah. Yeah. It's without question. A lot of idiots out there. That's why I don't travel. Yeah. That and, you know, the, the judge said that I'm not allowed to anymore. Sure, but even before sure. that, I was just, well, you just gotta let, starting to get, you know. You just got to let the courts know where you're going. The bracelet lets them know. I, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to waste any time out of my day true. telling that's them true. what they already know. Yeah. As long as it ain't. I'm a busy man. As long as it ain't one of them drinking bracelets, you'll do whatever they say, you know? Oh, you put one of those on me? Oh, fuck that's that. going AWOL. Yeah, you'll chew a leg off. That's right. No. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. I'll be reverse uh, swimming across the Rio Grande. Texas, they got about like five different accents in that state. Mm, some of them can be like charming and some of them can just sound god awful. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like Kentucky. Like they get some of that like bourbon soaked, like a yeah. charming McConaughey stuff. Yeah. And if you get too close to Tennessee, it's just like, oh, these are the worst sounding fucking hicks you'll yeah. ever meet in your life. Yeah. It's weird. Texas. I don't know if there's a state I want to go to more. Oh, that's right. That's slash right. don't want to go to that, at all. That Red Rocket film. Yeah, with my new, boy uh, Simon, Rex, Simon Rex, star film, of uh, yeah. television's show What I Like About You. That's right. That's set yeah. in just like a, How is that? a t- small Texas town. And the accents in that movie are just grating on the ears. Oh, However, Dying great film. It. Simon Dying Rex is a, a superstar. Isn't he? He is a superstar. He kills it in this movie. He's going to open a lot of eyes, especially. I can't wait to see when everybody sees that knee slapper of a fucking dong that he has. Oh, no spoilers here, huh? Hangs huge dong. That thing's just flopping around. Like good for him. He's got like a dead puppy just hung between his legs. It looks like that's a glorious descriptive. Just just a glorious, glorious dong he hangs in that film. Whole lot of donging going on. Guy still got on. it. All these years later, what, what can I say? Oh, my baby, whole lot of donging going there, on. Yeah, Red Rocket, Sean Baker, check it out. Red it's Rocket, hey, got a wiener in it. Speaking of a couple of dongs, it's mm-hmm. baby oil and blow, an action-packed, blood-soaked, shoot 'em up, bang 'em up, knock week. 'em up, but get serious. Real up. bloody shit. That's right. High drama. We're still talking high Podcast. dramas. Extravaganza. I don't know what words I've said anymore. Uh, I'm, we're yeah, through it, I think. Yeah, I think you got them all in there. I am one half of your hosts. I mm. am Matt Not me, you. With me, as always, oh, okay, I get it. you well. can be... You can be the Dan Cortez mm, wow. to my Simon I Rex. I myself as being that athletic. I'm not going MTV. I'm going what I like about you. You are Nate Adams. Oh, ahoy, ahoy, everybody. They're both in that show. That was going to be my next question. What is uh, what is Dan Cortez doing in that show? They're both trying to bang... Uh, Amanda sh- Bynes? No, the 90210 girl. Oh, Jenny Garth? That's the one. So they're not on it. Are they on their regulars, or are they just guys yeah, who they, show up no, they separately? No, they had like, like full seasons. Like this guy was the, the boyfriend in one For like a whole season, season. and then yeah. the other guy. I want to say Simon Rex shows up twice. I gotta say, yeah. fucking uh, Jenny Garth really punching above her weight there. You're supposed to lead us to believe that post 90210, you still right. got the juice to pull a Dan Cortez and a Simon yeah, Rex. She looks okay. She's got a chubby, loudmouth mm, Jew friend that I like yeah, a lot that's, that's, in the now show. We're, now we're talking my language. Yeah. This looks like the 
the range of woman I'm going to be aiming for. And for Amanda sure. Bynes, she's great in every scene. She's oh, got she's great in everything. She's got a hunky little guy that she's chasing around, but she's also I mean, got past that complete and utter meltdown uh, that I think has lasted for the last fifteen or so years. Like she's been great in everything. No one Un- now untouchable, really. No one now what we know about Brittany. Should we be freeing Amanda Bynes? I Why aren't say, people saying anything uh, about that? Just uh, just just saw Brittany's uh, statement a couple minutes before you showed up. Yeah. She, she Posted this big long Instagram video. How she about, sound? Uh, Seem how how she's feeling and what she's doing now that she's no longer under the uh, iron fist of her father. And I gotta say, um, that's a woman who's very visibly mentally unwell. Yeah, like it was. Yeah. That's I. I don't think that's the side of this we're all talking about. Like almost like somebody should have taken control. Yeah, of her yeah like her, her dad's not in charge of her now, but uh, who's gonna be? Cause yeah, this this woman can't even get through like a three-minute hostage statement uh, video on social media without being visibly very mentally unwell. To quote Amanda Bynes... I think we should put Simon Rex in charge of her. I think I, what I've learned this week is that this guy's got the chutzpah uh, to, 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 to do it for us. To quote Amanda Bynes' uh-huh. best friend Gary in the hit show, What I Like About You. Right. Pl- played by who? Oh, my damn. <laughs> See a sassy black man? Gary on the show. Black, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like it's a pretty good show. He's very, you might have finally sold me on. Very it. athletic, very muscular man. Oh wow, he's, yeah, it's good to know. Yeah, well spoken. Would you say? Are we going to go down so. that road? Yeah, <laughs> very well spoken. Yeah. One of the good. Uh, uh, you, uh, you know. How no, that's uh, we're going to stop that right yeah. now. It's, it's it's not a road we want to further yeah. walk down. Honkies love saying that. Yeah, those, those people. Yeah. Those people. <laughs> you say those people about those people. It's yeah. not a big deal. Nobody cares. Yeah. My grandfather, oh yeah, used to get pissed off at the family, like uh-huh. our family. Sure, like not other people, other cultures, other races. Just his immediate family. It'd be like Thanksgiving or Christmas, and he'd just be like, "You people." Yeah, I get that. There's no explanation besides that. I feel like that whenever I have to uh, gather around with my irish hillbilly fucking up. northwest indiana family the thanks schmiven yeah that's not happening no i haven't done that for years good for you fucking god bless grown-ass man gonna sign off on going to thanksgiving no especially once that pandemic happened and once they got rid of your conservatorship it was just like we had a year where nobody did it now you're not gonna get anybody back on board ever again yeah i feel like thanksgiving was just barely holding on it was hanging on by a thread. I've been saying it my entire like, life. Why are we all getting together to eat the same Makes fucking no food that's going to get served We're again at Christmas, be doing man? It less than a month later. And it's, then at that one, there's going to be lights and presents. It's a better holiday. Yeah. It's the same holiday, but better. Yeah. Like just uh, fucking. No, don't make some meal out of Halloween because I don't want to have to take time out of my day. Oh, no. In, uh, take yeah, time out of me. my. Uh, Drinking and uh, passing out candy mm-hmm. to young kids while visibly mm-hmm. drunk—that's okay. it's a perfect holiday. We can't be digging into that one. Come on, kids. I mean, if you want to combine something Easter and Thanksgiving, you're just gonna have to throw those two things together. You're already like supposed to be thankful when you're talking about Jesus's birthday yeah. or whatnot. There's generally a meal involved. Move it to spring. Combine those two things. We gotta consolidate. You know, his birthday's Christmas, right? Yeah, Jesus is, uh, wait, he was born on Thanksgiving, he died on Christmas. Uh, and then we talk about him again four months later at oh, Easter. Man. How many Just are... Just being like, hey, remember his birthday? Yeah. 
What did he do on Halloween? Why do why do we celebrate Halloween? He dressed here? up as Batman. That's the one the where he came back as a zombie, right? He, That's why we do it at Halloween. Jesus was the first person to dress up as Heath Ledger Joker. On Halloween. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's why Halloween's a big deal with yeah. Jesus. It was, yeah, he, well, he already had the hair. It's crazy that nobody had the idea He's like, I already him. got the hair, guys. Yeah. Guys, I already got I the hair. I remember Pontius Pilate showed up uh, yeah. being the uh, Suicide Squad Joker, and people were yeah. like, no, we're not ready for this. Mm. I don't think so, mm. man. But was, then Peter killed it when he showed up dressed as uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, man. Those cheeks. Yeah. They were looking good. Jesus was like, what? Cheeks in that Mediterranean sun. Oh, Goodness. No tan lines. Yeah, he's a little monster. Matt, seeing as uh, we're in the build-up to Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. the uh, holiday that maybe the holiday isn't from anymore. Hell. Maybe, maybe a, a holiday of the past that we've given up on. The fucking, uh, the fucking Lions. Detroit yeah, Lions sure. play every year on Thanksgiving, and I don't think they've won one of those games in like 25 years. No, I, Lions fucking perpetually suck. I was watching a Lions game uh, that was on at the bar the other day. Lions-Steelers. Really suck. And it I was, was like, one of the worst games this is insane. ever. The Lions were the worst team like 30 years ago when I was a kid. How could they still be the worst team? Yeah. How do they get that prime real estate uh, being on Thanksgiving every year? Who's I like that. Who'd Axel Foley have to blow to get that one done? I don't know. It's a tradition. I like that you don't like or you don't watch sports, primarily football. That's and right. When you caught That's football, I, I watched you the caught least. like the worst game of the week of the season. The so same far. as every other football game I've ever mm. seen. Mm. Just a bunch of people standing around mm. discussing what happened. And then four seconds of people falling down. Go Bulls. No, oh, they're fun. Yeah, those those guys, they're, they're tearing it up. Mm-hmm. That's the best era of Bulls play since Jordan and Pippen. Mm. I heard somebody say that in a bar the other day. Cool, cool. A lot about sports from hanging out in bars. Well, that's cool. You sound legit. But it's not just football that happens during the no. Thanksgiving season. It's also when all the prestige films start uh, coming out. Mm. Because Dick trickling out. People famously have very short memories. So if you want a movie to win awards, you got to put it right there at the end of the year if you expect anybody to vote for it. Yeah. Put a good movie out in September. Who's going to remember that? Terrible idea. That's why uh, Sony was sitting on that new Venom movie so long. Yes, I, I heard the yeah. big. Uh, they're like mm, Woody Harrelson's pretty much gonna have that uh, supporting actor thing in the bag. He should he did so great as Carnage? Carnage. Ar- Arcady is his role as was Stadium Arcadium. So close. I was so close. Carnage to, to remembering Carnage's uh, maximum human name. Maximum, <laughs> maximum Carnage. Carnage. No. So what we're doing is we're talking about high dramas. We are drama kings all month long here yeah. on Baby Oil and Blow. That's right, baby. We started off uh, talking about one serious movie, and then we've we're done like another one, fucking I think. guys, I kind of remember yeah. last week kind of talking about that one. Was, that was 201. Yeah, it takes, me, it takes me a long time to remember what we did a couple days ago. It's, it's, it's rough these days, looking we're, back that long. We're dropping. This is the third one? Do so sure deuce. the third one. Do so do. Not even looking at the, at third the, one. the calendar right now. Our third third serious uh, drama film uh-huh. with an action bent. There's still cops and robbers and people getting murdered and all these things. Yeah, we ain't gone soft. Yeah, we haven't completely taken a just right, like Sally. out of field approach. You don't have to worry. We're still talking about guy stuff here on yeah. the podcast. So quit sending us your emails being like, shit's good. Did, did you get another email from Sally? Is, did. did she send us another one yeah. calling us gay again? She's like, shit's good. You gotta have a more progressive attitude, Sally. And she's stop a, sending us so many emails. She has a very aggressive. I had to turn all the notifications off on my phone. Alpha lesbian energy. And I'm now uh, I've it. had several family members yeah. die of COVID and I completely missed uh, the notifications. It's, it's been weeks yeah. now. 
Pegging's only fun when it's consensual, not when you force it, Sally. Uh, the rundown this week of Me our third three. serious film is being brought to us by uh, Northwest Indiana-style Smash Burgers and Green River Milkshakes, uh, which is what I partook in Excuse today me? from the DoorDash. Where's... Yeah, well, you know, you fucking uh, fired up the DoorDash and had one of those Shoops burgers sent my way. Oh, okay. One All of their right. classic yeah, yeah, yeah. Green yeah. River milkshakes. It's, yeah. like, it's maybe the only uh, Northwest Indiana food. It's, it's maybe the only culture we have that's indigenous to this area. How much? Uh, those minor done Shoop smash burgers with the uh, crispy edges going on. How much, uh, how much Leatherby's gin did you pour into that? Green River. You know, after milkshake. you uh, did that experiment one time, uh, uh-huh. and it was so vomitous. Uh, I, I decided n- not a good idea, and kind of just oh. threw it in a milkshake this time, which turns uh. out works way better, far far better than okay. throwing gin inside of there. Would you go with the Mickey, the bacon cheeseburger? Would you? Ooh. Yeah, you got to go with that Mickey. They're, I'm a bacon cheese. They're throwing uh, two two slices of cheese there on that big uh, pancake shaped smash patty right there. It's good stuff. Come out to NWI and give it a try. There's beautiful scenery in these parts. Uh, tourism's through the roof, and rightly so. We used to have. You don't got to wear masks around here. Nah. Everybody's coming over the People state love line. it. Yeah. He's smoking bars still here and there. Everybody can Nobody's see wearing a mask. It's like a paradise. teeth. Oh, that's right. It's and gorgeous. The, the taxes on those cigarettes you're buying? It's fraction of the cost. Fraction of the cost you're paying. Yeah. You, you cross a state line. You're almost basically a paradise here. We got going. Almost paying you to smoke. I yeah, here, it's, it's close to it. Yeah. There's probably some sort of scam you could pull off to eventually bring it around enough to where you're getting money to smoke. I don't know. There's is there a little like tabs you can redeem or something on cigarettes? Got to be. It's got to be something going on. Got to be. Or like a punch card. One of those tobacco oh, shops have nice. like frequent uh, smoker punch cards going on. I feel like Skull would have one of those only, programs. Only like, three more hey, cartons, then I get a free pack. I feel like Kansas Skull would have like a rewards program. Mm, Skull. It's always been my uh, chaw of choice for sure. They, 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 they're consistent. They put out good product over there. It's weird. I've seen people buy this like This episode the- brought to you by Skull. Hell yeah. You a long cut guy? Oh yeah, you got you to. Got you to. don't want any of that yeah. shortcut. It's, yeah, don't don't give me any of those shortcut anything. None of them pussy pouches either. I'm a real man. Oh, isn't that a snooze? You hear me, mom? I'm called? a real man. It's a t- t- Scandinavian tobacco chewing or whatever. Speaking of Scandinavians and Swedes and uh, all those people, we're talking about the people in the far north mm. of uh, Minnesota and North Dakota. Oh yeah, hey. Rundown this week is uh, of the 1996. Movie Fargo. Uh, this is a, a film. It's a nice film. A glorious, glorious runtime of 98 minutes. <sighs> Prestige picture gets in and out in 98 minutes. Can't beat that. Last start there, my friend. This is a film that accomplished a whole hell of a lot with a meager budget of $7 million. That's it? They really stretched that shit. Brought back $60.6 million. Big financial success. 93%. Positive on Rotten Tomatoes, big critical success. We're talking about just a beloved film right here. This this movie Fargo, brought to us by uh, writer slash director directing brothers mm. Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me those Wachowskis uh, monsters. Joel and Ethan Cohen, the Cohen siblings. Yeah. I think oh, those guys are way too nerdy to ever start bending their genders. That's mm. not going to happen. Yeah. I've got to worry about what we call them. 
Oh, they're, by they're the way, bros, bros. By the way, I'm not calling transgendered people monsters. I just mean the fucking weirdos that wrote the Matrix. Uh, it I has thought, nothing thought to you do. You were still talking about Daddy's Little Monster. That yeah, you're still talking about Harley Quinn shit. Still right now. talking about Harley Quinn. Always talking Harley yeah. Quinn. You know me. I had like maybe four little girls dressed as Harley Quinn come to my door this year Oof. during the trick or treating. Good thing you taped down that boner in advance. Real, real, just upsetting. This uh, a like that was like two years ago. Like fucking these yeah. little girls. Yeah. There's nothing else hip since then. Like fucking get with it, you fucking nerdy little girls. Suicide Squad two just came out. Second off, like uh, had a little Dolly Parton show up. It what? a tiny girl in a gigantic wig with big old balloons stuffed in her shirt. That was funny and adorable. You stick some fake booby balloons You're in a little girl shirt. That's fun. That's yeah. cute. Little girl butt cheeks legitimately hanging out of tiny shorts. There's nothing cute or adorable about no. that. This yeah. is just bad parenting. Don't put your little daughter's butt cheeks back in her pants. Make her have a different Halloween costume, people. Doesn't anybody remember being a kid and like pulling mm-hmm. your shirt? You know, you never forget you, it. You sit down on the ground, but you pull your shirt over your knees, and then you're like, "Look, oh, I'm yeah, Dolly Parton." That's funny. I'm Dolly Parton. I was just doing that the other night. Actually. That's a great it's not, bit. It's not a little kid thing, is it? Yeah. Also, what good comedy? What kind of soft ass town you live in? It was Halloween weeks ago, and you got a untouched pumpkin just sitting on your porch. No local shitheads come and kick that in yet. Oh no, people are afraid to come onto my property. You oh, know, that's sometimes right. you can see the young kids sitting yeah. at the edge of the the property line, daring each other. Yeah, you're a local weirdo. Nobody's nobody's willing to step onto yeah. that grass. Nice way to project that energy, man. Yeah, the pumpkin's doing great out there, yeah. though. So I think I'm gonna have to get rid of it. I think I think this weekend it's gonna be time to. Uh, Take down all the, the Halloween stuff. Just drop it in the middle of the street. I was, you I was, be the I was one trying to hold on it. to that Halloween uh, a couple weeks it's longer than everybody else. No. Uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen, in case you don't know, these, these directing and writing legends. Barton Fink, Big Lebowski. That movie with George Clooney no and Michelle Country Pfeiffer. No Country for Old Men. That movie with George Clooney and not Michelle Pfeiffer. It was definitely that chick who uh, gave Michael Douglas uh, AIDS or whatever. Catherine Zeta-Jones, CZJ, that's right. Mm. Uh, now they've split. Oh. Uh, fucking, what is it, Ethan, I think, or Joel? I think Joel's on his own. Oh. He's, he's making Macbeth, I think, with, Why? Den- with Denzel. I think is what's going oh, on. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, there's no movie I want to see yeah, less. Not, not really something I'm looking forward to. Oh, but I'll give him, oh, I'll give him the benefit for the doubt. I won't. See, see how this thing turns out. That's a real fucking turd. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's coming out soon, I think. We got all these big uh Why do you keep big name movies coming people out? People keep making fucking Hamlet and Macbeth shit. Yeah, is, they're classics, Matt. They're they're they're, they're referred to as classics. Oh, they're fucking boring, man. There's nothing boring about Macbeth. There's all sorts of betrayal and murder going on. Oh, they talk like idiots in that. They're probably going to be talking like uh, idiots in a completely different way when they're doing that sing-songy Coen Brothers dialogue, unless Ethan was the only one who did dialogue. I don't know. Denzel just talks like Denzel. Have they been away from filmmaking? Any of his last 30 movies? Denzel does great work all the time. How dare you? Guy's an actor's actor. My brother Dave's gotten to you, hasn't he? That's right. It's uh, I'm gonna have a marathon. It's about time to have a marathon. Oh boy. Oh. We're not talking about the stars of that film, though. We're talking about the stars of this film right here. Yeah. Number one, uh, I want to talk about a little man by the name of William H Macy mm. celebrating a big, big accomplishment here. Mm. He's playing the character Jerry Lundegaard. He's the shoveler. He's a car salesman, a family man. Uh, or the shovel. I he was. Know. Yeah, he was in uh, Mystery Men. 
Was the, it shovel? the shovel? Yeah, I don't yeah. I forget. The shoveler, I think it was. That's funnier. Shoveler's funny. Yeah, shoveler's funny. Some get cuckolded as uh, Little Bill in Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Uh, some is disgraced genius quiz kid Donnie Smith. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's what he's in Magnolia. He was a Boogie Nights. That's when he was uh, Boogie. Little Bill. That's right. Boogie Nights. Uh, I think you'll remember him very well as Captain Knox in a little film I like to call Down Periscope. I know, I know you've got to be a fan of that. Prepare for dive! What a great line. More importantly, though, we saw him as the character J.J. in The Last Dragon. We saw him as Major Caldwell in Air Force One. What? And we saw him as Kirby in The Bloodfather. Shut the front Now a door. Grand Slam winner here on Baby Oil and Blow, William H. Macy. Talked about this guy fucking four times now. If there's anything worthy of an air horn sound effect, it's got to be that shit right there. That's big, man. That's big. Lady by the name of Kristen Rudrud. There's a little, like, umlauts over that second U right there in her last name. She's in this movie uh, as Jean Lundergaard. Uh, oh, Jeannie, yeah. The, the wife who gets kidnapped. William H. Macy's wife gets kidnapped. Uh, it's important. I think uh, if you're a connoisseur of fine 90s films, uh, and if you're listening to this Fargo episode, you might be. You probably remember her as playing Connie, the pork products lady in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Mm. Yes. <sighs> I think... Uh, Early in the uh, mockumentary boom that happens Johnny. later on in the early 2000s, Drop Dead Gorgeous doesn't Johnny. get enough uh, talk about being uh, a, a movie that uh, I think inspired was a lot of people. At the, uh, the, the beauty pageant That's right. parody one. There's a whole like generation of yeah. young women who love that movie. Yeah, right? I wa- it just doesn't get talked about. I lot. watched that a couple months ago. It, it, it's tedious. It's, uh, they say... They say retard. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, it's really offensive yeah. from what I remember. Like, kind of an offensive watch. Mm-hmm. However, big at the time. I knew a yeah. lot of girls who were in that. Yeah, it's not without its laughs. It Steve Buscemi is in this movie as not Carl Showalter, a kidnapper and general criminal type. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember him, I think. Like You're saying you don't remember him, but I think back Funny to looking guy. 1989's uh, Lonesome Dove mm-hmm. miniseries where he yeah. played the character Luke. I think that probably rings a bell for you. Oh, I'm thinking of Bret Hart. No, that's, that's, uh, that, that, not the 1995 Lonesome Dove series. Okay. I'm talking the 1989 miniseries. I know yeah. you're a big Lonesome Dove aficionado. You right. know all the different Lonesome yeah. Doves. I get my, my timelines, though. I, I get messed up. Uh, it's a little more TV work. He was Phil Hickel on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Mm, sure was. Great show. Yeah. Uh, he was Rex in Airheads. Yeah. Great film. One of the finest comedies of the 90s. For all you know, our album could be Pit Farting on a Snare Drum. Yeah. <laughs> farting on a Snare Drum. Uh, Maps to the Stars Eddie in Escape from L.A. That's a role nobody's going to forget anytime soon. Yeah. Run, baby, run, escape from L.A. Speaking of his work with the Sandman. Let's say it. Danny McGrath and Billy Madison was kicked off a whole line of him just being in, I think, is he in every Adam Sandler movie? Pretty much. Are there ones that he hasn't shown up in for at least like a second? But he's dynamite in Hubie Halloween. Go check it out, folks. It's not too late. Some great work as the maybe werewolf neighbor in Hubie Halloween. Watch it year long. It's it's not a movie you only have no, to watch. No, don't let the title fool also, you. Also, real disappointed. I remember us talking last year and that Hubie Halloween is. We popping. were hoping for one every we're, year. We were hoping for Hubie Saves the Holidays this year yeah. for around uh, December time, and I have not heard any sort of uh, announcement on that. Where are you at, Sandman? Sandman, could, where are you at? You could drop that first night of Hanukkah. I would love, I would fucking love Hanukkah? that shit. Do we start Hanukkah? We have to. Uh, it's that, around the that corner. That thing lasts like three months. I don't know. You think Christmas is starting earlier and earlier every year now? These, these fucking Jews Seems and their like Hanukkah. 
Oh, no patience. Those people. Peter Stormare is in this film as a Swede named Geir Grimsrud, a pancake enthusiast and a man of few words. Good, close personal friend. Good, close personal friend of the podcast. You remember him as playing the Russian cosmonaut Lev Andropov in Armageddon, mm. probably one of the most emotionally satisfying uh, films I of all time. Stay awake. He was Dieter Stark in The Lost World Jurassic Park, one of the most beloved film sequels of all time. Uh, That's not the one with Vince Vaughn, right? I think he's in three. Vince Vaughn's in the second. Uh, he's, he's, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, that is Lost the World's the third. The third one is when they brought back uh, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, that's right. And yeah. William H. Macy, uh, funnily enough. Yeah, he's a good guy. Also, you remember him as playing the character Jeff in the Lars von Trier joint Dancer in the Dark, starring mm. Bjork. Mm. And uh, of course, of course, in case it hasn't clicked in your head who this great character actor is yet, uh, his big breakthrough role has uh, kind of made him an A-lister, or at least like an A-minus lister, mm-hmm. when he played, unforgettably, the character Gabriel in Dylan Dog, Dead of Night. Ooh, big. I know, I know you watched that one. Big fan. What, what, what do you remember? Brandon Roof. What do you remember about Dylan Dog? And he's the uh, paranormal investigator sure. guy. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Other people are in it. Now, uh, how do you rank that one up against uh, R.I.P.D.? Is Dylan Dog, if you could only watch it's, one for the rest of your life, we'll give you real Sophie's choice here. R.I.P.D. So you can watch uh, wow. Jeff Bridges. Right, right away. He didn't even accent. hesitate. It's impressive to me. The way he talks that whole movie. Yeah, it's got to be great. He's just doing a Tom Skaransky Speaking of people who did crazy accents for an entire movie, yeah. Frances McDormand is in this film oh, as geez. Marge Gunderson. She's a uh, police officer investigating a missing burnt umber Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. Mm. Uh, she's doing a crazy Minnesota accent. You uh, remember her if you've seen any Coen Brothers movie. She's basically the uh, uh, Steve Buscemi to Adam Sandler of the Coen Brothers. Yeah. She played Abby in Blood Simple. She was Dot in Raising Arizona. She was a secretary in Miller's Crossing, an actress in Barton Fink. Doris Crane in The Man Who Wasn't There. She was Linda in Burn After Reading. Cece Calhoun in Hail Caesar. Mm. Uh, she's Joel Cohen's wife. I was going to say, she's stupid. one Maybe the only case of a director who keeps putting his wife in movies ever in the history of Hollywood where him doing that makes the movies better instead of far, far worse. Oh, whoa, whoa. What, what? You're acting like I'm shooting shots directly at Rob Zombie or something. Yeah. You're, you're acting All like right. I'm just shooting shots right at Rob Zombie. I could have been talking about anybody. Buddy, Matt. I'm I got I'm I'm repping his, his shit right now. Okay, you got it. You're just wow. Is that Rob wow. Zombie on your shirt right now? No, this would be Otis. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Who yeah. is you know one friends of the uh, with uh, one of the with three the Sherry Moon. That's right. Yeah, the three from hell could be a great lady. Don't want to see her as the mom in the monsters ever. I want to see her e- ever every ever. day of my life. Wow. Rob Zombie's a lucky man. Somebody I want to see every day of my life. John Carroll Lynch. Great, great character actor in this film playing Norm Son of a Gunderson. Yeah. Marge's husband. Yeah. Who has submitted one of his Mallard paintings in a contest to maybe get it on a stamp? Hopefully. Question mark. Fingers crossed. Figure this out as we go through the film. Wait till the end of the movie to find out. 
most recently, he got some uh, acclaim playing swindled hamburger genius Mac McDonald in The Founder. Oh, movie about with uh, McDonald's hamburgers and Beetlejuice. Yeah, uh, he played Larry in the movie Hesher, which is a oh. big time favorite of us here at Baby One Blow. So good. Go check out that underrated film. Always- Talking about how he's trying to have a four-way in his van Joseph, with those three chicks. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's best best role by oh, far. Underseen. Not uh, quite as hot as he was as 12-year-old Tommy, though. That's right. In Third he's, Rock. He's, he's, God, that hair. Huh? Yeah. That, what a dreamboat. That slender profile. What a dreamboat that guy was. Uh, you're going to remember John Carroll Lynch. I'm sure, Matt, he was in one of your favorites, playing the character Mr. Livingston in the film Bubble Boy. Mm-hmm. He was indeed. Also, another one of my favorites we talked about a lot last week. It's very appropriate for the season. He played Frank Stinky Womack in Beautiful Girls. It's about oh. time to watch it. Mm. It's coming up. Uh, Norm, son of a Gunderson, mm-hmm. was uh, also in the Drew Carey show, I believe. Oh, wow. Uh, playing Drew Carey's, like, uh, brother or something, it seems like, is what he would probably be doing in that, I would imagine. Uh, neighbor, I don't know. He was oh, banging somebody. He's banging somebody? Yeah. Oh, I gotta check that shit out. Might have been the chick on the show. Steve Park is in this film playing the character Mike Yanagita. Yep. Who's one of Marge's former classmates. Mm-hmm. Who's maybe falling on tough times. I don't yeah, know. No. He's doing good. Working for Honeywell. Okay, yeah. Seems to be doing well. Oh, wow. This engineer can so do a lot worse than that, for yeah. sure. Uh, we saw him as Asian cop number one in Showdown in Little Tokyo. That's right, yeah. Uh, he was a regular on one season of In Living Color, apparently. I don't remember that at all. And uh, I, unforgettable. This is something burning in my brain, of course. He played uh, the character Dr. Lee on two episodes of Mad About You. Tell me why. <laughs> That's right. You know? Tell me who. Uh, remind me when we're mm-hmm. off air to show you oh, a, wow. a, Secrets. a forgotten about live in living color skit where Jim Carrey's being Seinfeld in the ghetto. That's by forgotten about. Do you mean uh, too offensive for them to uh, allow to exist on any sort of official platform? Uh, probably. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to uh, mention before we wrap up this segment, Jose Feliciano is in this film playing oh, himself, man. a rock solid recording artist. Felice, not the show. God. You'd have no complaints about being in the audience of uh, this guy. In addition to that, has done a little acting. He also played a character named Pepe Fernando on an episode of Chico and the Man. So, oh, with uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s That's day, right. Freddie yeah. Prince Senior, as it turns out. No, I don't That's think that was his name. Great little, great little show. Not Sanford and Son, but it was about a junkyard. I uh, yeah. very vague memories of Chico and the Man from being a small child. Got a monkey or something. I don't remember. Tagline of this film: Fargo. A lot can happen in the middle of nowhere. Oh. This is putting it lightly. To say the least. Plot of this film. Let's get into all the crazy shit that happens here. Um, Jerry, a small-time Minnesota car salesman, is bursting at the seams with debt, but he's got a plan. What's he's going to hire two thugs to kidnap his wife in a scheme to collect a hefty ransom from his wealthy father-in-law. It's going to be a snap, and nobody's going to get hurt until people start dying. Enter Police Chief Marge, a coffee-drinking, parka-wearing, and extremely pregnant investigator who will stop at nothing to get her man. And if you think her small-time investigative skills will give the crooks a run for their ransom, you betcha! (laughs) That's fun! (laughs) had a lot of fun with that write-up right there, whoever did that Uh thing. He gave us a you betcha. 
This is Fargo. Dong. Matt, that was the rundown. Let's get into the next segment of our podcast, which we call Bullet Points. This is where you <laughs> dig into your apparently bang, bang. incoherent <laughs> notes <laughs> and uh, try to steer this ship as you <laughs> drag us kicking and screaming through a discussion of this film. Uh, what Does your first bullet point at least make sense to you when you look look at it on the page? True story, bro. That's right. Hilariously... This film starts off with a title card claiming this is a true story and what is perhaps the funniest joke anybody's ever done in a movie, just making a completely ridiculous, over-the-top, dumb, dumb film and then just bald-faced lying and claiming that it's a fucking true story for no goddamn reason. It's the sort of energy the Coen brothers are bringing to their their projects right and left. We're just going to do random shit that amuses us for no goddamn reason. Yeah. We're going to spend millions of dollars doing it. Really setting the tone. Really setting the tone. Got to say, these guys, maybe my favorite living filmmakers uh, up until they split recently so Ethan could go off and do other weird things while mm. Joel makes Shakespeare adaptations. You still got the Witkowskis. Hopefully they'll get back together. I saw... Uh, an interview with Miss McDormand where she said they've just got a lot of scripts just sitting around on shelves places. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Could be making a lot more movies. Yeah. Just don't want to anymore, it turns out. And Netflix will buy those. Also, what hits me is uh, this very serious title card saying that, like, we've changed the names for the benefit of the survivors, blah, blah, blah. One of the first things that's got to hit you is that Fargo score. Oh, this is, yeah. This is one of the great film scores. This is Carter Burwell, regular uh, composer for the Coens. I think this is maybe his best work. I think this is the best shit he did, at least for the Coen brothers. He works with other people, too. It sticks with you. Sweeping, sticks with you, just epic, unforgettable. It just hits right here, and you're just like, oh, I'm in it. You get that opening image of a bird flying in just a complete Minnesota whiteout. Yeah. The car in the background coming towards you, just slowly coming into focus, because this whole movie is just set in white expanses of Midwestern fucking nothing. Nothing. Just Just bleakness. Garbage. Bleak, cold. Like in my soul. Just the darkness that we're living in right now. There's never any sunlight. We're starting to get those first dustings of snow, or it's just like, it's threatening. It's threatening to turn into winter. It was, it, it was a good week to, to throw this movie on, I felt like, Jimmy. But really, really... It's dark at 445. Oh, yeah. Really hit me in my gut. I was just like, this is what I'm living, this depressing opening to Fargo right here. This is right where I am. Kill me. And then that sweeping, just yeah. big part of that, the main theme hits. Right when that just ugly, ugly 80s fucking Oldsmobile or whatever comes into focus yep. and you see what this car is approaching you. It's just mock heroic. This... this Beautiful score playing over this just ugly car in this like Old slush mobile. covered, disgusting road. Pulling Minnesota. a trailer that's got another Oldsmobile. Funny on joke. It. Funny joke right there. And it's all just visual stuff. Juxtaposing yep. shit. Right off, I'm already just over the moon with this film. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten to the King of Clubs bar yet. No, we have not. This is where we meet old Peter Stormare and Steve Buscemi in, uh, a great-looking dive bar. It's got those swizzle bucket stools with, like, the vinyl. Mm. That's just 
when you see the, the most comfortable seat you can sit in these things, you only find them at the most authentic dive bars. You Anytime do. you go into a place and you see these particular bar stools, you know the place you're at is real as fuck. Such a nice seat, you're not going to want to get up. Made me want to just take a little trip and uh, go out to North Dakota and just do a tour of all their neighborhood bars. I've that been. Would, that would be I've a, been to, I've been to a Fargo. bleak, bleak trip, I bet. How, how, how did it treat you? Oh, it was lovely little town. Uh, from what I remember, they had a comic book store and oh, uh, little, sounds cool. little Davy R. Shyster and I had lunch at the one restaurant that was attached to the hotel in town. Mm, what would you, you order? Bacon cheeseburger. Oh, wow. That's classic. You know, it's a double mayo, double cheese, double bacon, motherfucker. No mayo. That's disgusting. It's a Radisson, so you know it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we're in here. Our uh, I question main character. It's hard to tell in this movie because it's structured uh, very we- weird. Uh, William H. Macy's uh, Jerry Lundegaard shows up. Yep. And he, he lays the whole thing out with with the plot of the movie he's this these scumbags he's gonna hire them to kidnap his own wife Mm -hmm. hoping that his rich father-in-law will pay the ransom and then he will undercut these people uh by telling them the ransom is going to be much smaller than it was and keep a large amount of that money for himself yeah this guy's got big plans to dig himself out of apparently a deep hole yeah we're never really told why he's so far in debt like what sort of scumbag shit he's been doing in his life to, like, he needs his money so bad? He just wants money. But when he shows up and Stormare's just sleeping in the fucking booth in the bar with that cigarette hanging out of his mouth, Peter Venkman style. Oh, God. What a great visual. And instantly you're just like, this guy is going to fucking own this whole movie. I can just tell. Stormare's fucking invincible in this just movie, man. so good. That awful dyed blonde hair he's uh, wearing like turtlenecks all the time he, he goes on he does this movie he does slippery pete on seinfeld mm-hmm. and he does the german engineering in the house volkswagen commercial what a run what a run that's a career my friend buscemi's pissed off instantly he's this guy's an hour late <clears throat> he gestures at storm airs like he's peed three times already three times already. <laughs> like, there's no way he's gotten up once no you're the one who's peed three times buscemi absolutely they got six empties sitting on the table there so in, in the hour they've been waiting they've, they've each drained a beer every 20 minutes i guess which is respectable if you're just waiting around for somebody they're not yeah. hitting it hard they, they weren't expecting to be drinking but no. this is how benders start when you think you're supposed to be like waiting like 10 minutes, it turns oh, into an hour. Oh. Before you know it, you're three beers in and you're like, well, I'm just going to keep drinking then. I'm, yeah. I'm already three beers in. You want to get just fucking wasted? Accidental benders. That's yeah. how it starts. Plan on not drinking. That's how you lose a weekend. Oh, that's how I've lost the last three days of my life. I had to Beautiful. make a very strict promise with myself that... uh. I was not going to leave the house today because it always leads to accidental benders. So yeah. I had that burger and milkshake DoorDash to my house. Good for you. You, you go out there and try to find some food, accidental bender. It's going to sneak right up on you. You got the flask going now? You boozing now? No, nah, I am mean, just a little sippy. This, okay. this doesn't count. This is just little sippies of whiskey. Yeah. Come Listen. on. Get, get off my dick over here, huh? Hey, oh, forget about it. So uh, instantly there's a, the, the storm air is just sleeping through this whole interaction until there becomes a question about how much money is training tra- hands yeah, and, yeah. and when. And then instantly he just opens up his eyes and just leans all the way in across the table. Yeah. Still doesn't say anything, but... Uh, doesn't have to. Just, let, just letting him know. This just commands the scene. Love the fucking interaction between these guys. Buscemi is just like motor mouth, like fucking fake tough guy. 
Buscemi is uh, the, the answer to the question, like, what would it be like if uh, fucking Don Knotts could play Sinister? You, you, get, yeah. you get Steve Buscemi there. That's a really good point. <laughs> fucking Lundergaard, William H. Macy is just weaselly, fucking feckless, oh. fucking loser of a guy. Yeah. And then this just like wild card question mark, Stormare, just silent just and staring. Just, Put these three guys at a Bohemian table together. Of a man. You got, you got fucking magic right here. Just love how much bigger he is than those two as well. The big fella. Yeah, he is. Minneapolis, Minnesota is my next bullet point. Okay. They tell us we're no longer in Fargo. No. Hilariously, the opening three minutes of this movie takes place in Fargo. Absolutely no more of the film does. No. There's no reason why it should be called Fargo whatsoever. That's where they met. It's, it's, uh, no reason to claim that it's a true story. It's, it's the linchpin of the yeah, whole it's, thing. It's right there. All that, that one conversation. for. But we're in Minneapolis now, and uh, we're at Jerry Lundegaard's house. We're seeing what his home life is uh, like. Pretty nice house. Good Lord, his wife... Her sweater and her crazy hair. Oh, jeez. Like, just like a pink knit sweater and like big curly sort of. They don't make them like Not like that sexy new wave girl 80s hair where just like the bangs are floofed up, but just like just like it's all floofed up everywhere. Just yeah. like weird, weird directions you didn't even know. It's making its way into that like early 90s hair. Oh, it's getting there. It's, it's yeah. getting there. And just her accent. Everybody's got the, the Minnesota accents going on here, but hers is just shrill. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, good Lord. Just imagine life in this suburban house with this complete just like sexual black hole of a woman. It's, it's got to be a miserable life right here. There's, yeah, that's guy's, what they're singing there's about no joy. Song. There's no joy in this house. Not, a, not a bit. But uh, the rich father-in-law, Wade, is there, yep. and he's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Who's this guy? Uh, old-timey actor, was in some, like, cowboy stuff. I think he was, like, a singer at some point. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really recognize him for much, yeah, but totally, yeah. he's just gruff in this movie, and he's growling every single goddamn line, and he's just every mean old white guy. He's a mean old cuss. Related to or have ever met in your entire fucking life. Yep. And what you learn in this scene is that he has zero respect for his son-in-law. Not a... Whatsoever. Not one iota. He's trying to... Jerry's trying to sell him on some sort of scam where he's going to buy a lot and turn it into a parking lot. This guy's in one ear, out the yeah. other. Not not listening to a single word of it. Won't he got burned on some... Tear his uh, eyes away from the go Parking lot game. deals in the... That's right. 70s Back in the 70s, for sure. Whatever, yeah. Uh, fucking. Him and Stan also, Grossman. yeah, you talk to Stan Grossman about things like yeah. this. You don't take him straight to Wade. Yeah, no, you uh, never do. Great passive aggressive line here where William H. Macy tells him, This could be real good for me and Gene and Scotty. And he just grumbles, Gene, Gene and, and Scotty, Scotty never have to worry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what an asshole. Yeah. So we established those plot lines going on. Now uh, we got Buscemi and uh, Stormare just on the road in the stolen car that uh, William H. Macy gave him, a burnt umber Sierra. No, they've got the tan Sierra. Oh, they got the tan Sierra? Uh, Is he Macy driving the burnt umber Sierra? Okay, Sierra. There we go. Yeah. okay, yeah, the, the, yeah. the tan Sierra now. Is yeah. Lots of, lots of Oldsmobiles in this movie. That's right. Just boxy late 80s Oldsmobiles. Oh, man. The Oldsmobile 88. When are we going to Pancake's house? Is, yes. Uh, Peter Stormer asks him here. Apparently, he this man's sweet. He wants to eat pancakes for every meal, as it turns out. So these people do. Yeah, 
every damn meal. Uh, them, uh, yeah, no, yeah. They're hearty folk. Buscemi tells him he's not going to eat pancakes for dinner. He wants to go somewhere. He can get a beer and a steak. Yeah. And it should be laid. a simple argument, but uh, you just get the sense that it could break into violence at any second. This argument over either pancakes or steak for dinner. There's you keep that conversation going. Constantly, just you can cut the tension with a knife. Any scene Storm airs in, no matter what they're talking about. Is this, is this a scene as well where... Uh, I forget. Where Buscemi's getting mad because he's not offering anything to the conversation. No, this is a little bit later, but okay. they just yeah, yeah, yeah. in and out with these two driving. So yeah. it's kind of the same shit where he's he's uh, trying to make small talk and Stormare's just got zero fucking. Uh, All these scenes of Buscemi trying to interact with Stormare. All right, two can play that game, smart guy. Yeah. Let's see how you like it. Total silence. Total Just drive silence. it. Let's say a single word. Total silence. <laughs> He's such a fucking turd. Classic motor mouth and silent guy dynamic they got uh, going on, but but they add violence into it. Luckily, it doesn't break out here because they both can uh, agree on getting some whores. Yeah, it's hell like, yeah. All right, well, whatever. But as long as we're getting whores, that's fine. Dog wheel hunt. Next thing we see Jerry at work, and he's... He's selling a guy in this true coat, Matt. Yeah, the oh, true coat. You gotta, oh. you gotta get this true coat. Yeah. This little scene right here with this fucking angry man. Now you promised me nineteen <laughs> five. This is everybody's fucking angry dad, just fucking clenching his fucking seat and just gritting his fucking teeth, ready to explode at a moment's notice. Yeah. Jerry Lundergaard's trying to nickel and dime him and swindle him into paying for some sort of coat over the paint of his car that he did not order nope. he knows that this guy's fucking just trying to get a couple extra bucks out of him mm-hmm. and his poor wife just sitting silently next to him staring at the floor during this whole interaction uh this is this is real shit right here yeah. this is what it's like to be around middle-aged people in the midwest this yes is, this is their lives everyone is a ticking time bomb whether it's oh, stress, 100%. Whether it's, you know, undealt with anxiety and depression, whether it cuts him off on the road, high blood pressure, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah. One too many beers on a three beer sit around. Something's going to happen. Some, somebody's going to end up screaming at the top of their lungs. That's the Midwest, baby. With this guy playing the angry guy, his delivery is just so fucking great. When he has to like choke his own tongue yeah. before he spits out <laughs> a cuss word. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bald-faced liar. Uh, uh, fucking liar. Uh, uh, give this guy some sort of award for being the perfect repressed Midwestern man. He's nailing it. Next scene, we're at the Blue Ox. And yep. uh, our boys, Buscemi and Stormare, just doing a little banging hookers in the same room together. Neil, how's your father? They're just doing that move where you and a basic stranger who just met a couple days ago just bang a couple of hookers together and beds right next to each other in in a seedy motel room. And uh, then afterwards, you don't send the hookers on their way and whatever. You all just lay around in bed together watching the Tonight Show. That's totally normal behavior these guys are engaging in right here. Stormare had a thicker gal. (laughs) That's right. Don't think that was lost on me. Because he's a big guy. 
Don't think that that was lost on me for one solitary second. Uh, the next scene, uh, we're back at the house, and uh, Macy's wife is lecturing Scotty because he got a C on his report oh, card. Scotty, yeah. But you're not a C student, but you're getting C grades. Yeah. Poor Scotty. This guy is... He never had a chance. He's by like 13 in this movie, probably, this character. You can Scotty tell he's know. caught on at this point that his parents are just complete fucking idiots. And well, he's that just he does know. Trapped in this house with them. I guess Scotty does know. Yeah. She's not going to let him go out for hockey this year because he got a C on his report card. It's just an hour. What's the big day? deal? Yeah. Oh, what's the big deal? But, Poor uh, Scotty. Point of this scene is we get a little call from uh, Wade, Wade, the father-in-law, and weirdly enough, he wants to talk to Jerry, who he hates, and probably seems like he tries to avoid it every moment. Well, he lets him know Stan Grossman went over those numbers on that parking lot deal, and uh, pretty sweet he said deal. they're pretty sweet. It's he pretty said sweet, uh, those numbers are pretty sweet. Pretty, pretty sweet. And Jerry, this put upon just uh, desperate, desperate man. For the first time, we see him light up at the notion that he might be getting handed some money right here. This is, it. <laughs> this is what this guy cares about. Free fucking money. So lighten his come eyes. to roost. Is that the expression? Uh, yeah, that's, everybody says that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been people say that my Fuck entire yeah. life. For sure, yeah. Uh, next scene, Shep Proudfoot, I think. We yep. meet him right here. Uh, fucking... He's another character who speaks in the least amount of syllables uh, possible. This is another sort of subset of people you'll meet in the uh, upper Midwest. Yeah. The uh, man who wants to talk and interact with people as little as fucking possible. Yeah. Him, Stormare, they're, they're, they're repping that whole subset of people. The, the dark secrets types. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Macy's being a little fucking weasel here, uh, trying to be like, oh, Shep Proudfoot, you set me up with these guys. Now I need to get in touch with them. And he's just like, don't know these guys. Don't vouch for them. Yeah. Well, he knows Stormare. He knows Stormare. Does not vouch know. for Buscemi. Yeah, because he doesn't know Buscemi. Yeah, this is, nope. Don't know him. Don't vouch for him. And this is, he's, Macy's just been given nothing here. He's going for some info, going to connect with these guys, and he's basically just been told, nope. And this is something that happens throughout the entire movie where, He's he's going to find something, get something, and then he's just stonewalled, and then he's just got to like Deal impotently be like, because <laughs> he's got gotta. no plan, and he's in over his head, and he's got no fucking leverage yeah. over anybody at any point in his life in any fucking situation. This guy, beta male in every fucking situation, but he doesn't give up. Always does he? has been. No, he just keeps plucking forward. No give up in that guy. I respect that. In most films, this would be uh, the inspirational path he was on to eventually succeed in something with this can-do attitude but unfortunately this is a coen brothers movie so uh there's no rewards. it's set in a much more real world where yeah. there will be no rewards yeah life's gonna be bleak from from start to finish is what's going on here pretty much uh yeah moving on we get an intercut of the total fucking silence scene we were talking about uh, there's a couple little short scenes here macy's getting drilled about vin numbers for the uh, more squirming here we're back at his work uh he's already getting caught for stealing that fucking car he gave the two scumbags yep he just apparently just thought he could disappear a car and nobody was gonna call him on it if he just like smudged out the serial numbers like yeah. people just be like yeah oh, i can't really read the serial numbers not going to worry. Not going to worry that a car might be. No, these people are on to him instantly, and he's got no answer for them. No plan. It's the GMAC finance company. <laughs> That's right. They, they need to go over this for their audit. And uh, he's just getting increasingly more and more nervous, and 
increasingly more and more desperate, more agitated. And you just got to sit there with him and squirm. Because mm-hmm. uh, at this point, you haven't even been introduced to the protagonist of the film. The character who you can like and relate to. And we're way fucking deep into it. Yeah. You're just here with this sad asshole, feeling uncomfortable. You are indeed. So he tells him, I'll just fax it over. I'll just fax those numbers right over. Don't fax it. That's what they sent. Oh, no, no. I'll yeah. send it right over there. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll shoot it right over. I'll have the girl copy it. <laughs> uh, next scene, we get the actual kidnapping, where mm-hmm. the two assholes show up to uh, kidnap the wife. What a great fucking scene, man. She's uh, just sitting start there to finish. watching soaps. Just, no, it's or, a depressing morning TV show. Oh, that's like right. A local one, like a local yeah. wake up Minneapolis or whatever. That's right. And this Stormare's guy watching soaps later, and she is just like enthralled. And this guy's talking about how they're like taking the show on the road or whatever. He's like, and we want you, the viewer, to come with us. Yeah. And like her that's eyes exciting. just light up. She's like totally into it. Like, like oh, you me. want me to come with? That's me. This woman is just. Got the fucking intelligence of a walleye. You can yeah. tell looking at her. Yeah. It's just capital V basic. Not a fucking thought going through this woman's head. Just knitting a sweater or something and fully engaged in awful daytime television. <sighs> Living the life. When who should just walk up her back porch into her unadorned sliding glass doors, but clearly Steve Buscemi wearing a ski mask and carrying a crowbar. If she'd seen any of his movies, she would have known it was him. <laughs> it couldn't have been anyone other than Steve Buscemi you could still clambering s- up onto this fucking... You could still see those teeth right through that ski mask. 100%. And she doesn't react at all until he's busted through her back window with the crowbar. Yeah. And I kind of believed it. I kind of like see myself at 10 a.m. or whatever, just sitting in my living room and just like, what's this guy going to do? Is fucking Steve Buscemi just come up my back porch um, wearing a mask and a crowbar? Uh, I can't be seeing this. This is, I've got to be fucking hallucinating right what's now. What's his next move here? Before you know it, yeah, he's broken into the fucking house, though, and she's running and screaming. <laughs> oh, man. Stormare uh, busts through the front door. Uh, yeah, Stormare busts through the front door. Grabs her. She bites his hand. Hard. And he reacts to uh, getting bit by a woman. Yeah. Clearly as if this is the 1,000th time in his life yep. that he's been bit, broken skin by a woman. I need unguent. <laughs> Which, what the fuck is unguent? It's gotta be. Some sort of Swedish fucking like... It's gotta be, because when I... Balm or cream or When I something. put it in the old punch box to type in yeah. here, Apple was like, Just do you want calm. plural unguents? Just very, very calm. They uh, knew what this I was woman's running about. around terrified, screaming bloody murder. This is the most terrifying, awful thing that's ever happened to her in her life. Mm-hmm. And for these guys, it's fucking Tuesday. <laughs> They're yeah. just cool, Couldn't calm, and This guy basically Jason Voorhees fucking walks at an even pace up to the bathroom to get some fucking unguent. Yeah. Where yeah. she's been hiding. Uh yeah. Steve Buscemi thinks that she jumped out the window like an idiot, so he runs. Turns out she's behind the shower curtain, Matt. They're always behind the shower curtain. Always. She's going to get the upper hand on Stormare, isn't she? Uh, No. She once again just bursts screaming, wraps herself up in the shower curtain, and uh, trips and falls down all the stairs. (laughs) Still wrapped in the shower curtain. And Stormare comes down and very casually pokes at her, and she doesn't move, and... It's a weird, we like, little scene. Yeah, because it, it seems to me it's establishing, like, oh, no, she died during this kidnapping. Yeah. And now they're going to have to deal foul. with the fact that, yeah, like, the, their, 
the lady they're supposed to kidnap is dead. So how are, what are they going to do now to try to collect? It's but hard to say. She's not dead. It's it's no. it's a weird little ambiguous scene there with her not moving or making any noises when he pokes at her. Right. She there. just tuckered herself out. Confused me the first time I watched this movie so many years ago. That's all right. His numbers are pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, my next. We finally get to meet the infamous Stan, Stan Grossman. Stan Grossman. We're, we're there at the fucking office. Uh, and uh, all they want to know is, since the numbers look pretty sweet, Stan Grossman's gone over them. Uh, what Jerry wants what's for the, his finder's fee. What's the finder's fee? What's it going to be? <sighs> Unfortunately, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here. How's that? Jerry, this fucking weasel idiot, mm. was expecting his... Uh, father-in-law who hates him to just uh give him all the money to buy this lot and then uh he would uh he'd do the deal he he'd oh it's, it's my deal here wade yeah he so wade tells him uh finder's fee what are we saying talking we here? put up all the money and you collect when it pays off and then him and stan grossman just giggle like little girls yeah. like, <laughs> they know how business this, really works this desperate idiot you, you can't just ask for money, and then you you make a deal and get all the fucking profits back? Give me a break. Right in that scene right there. Grossman mm-hmm. and Wade. Yeah, that's right. They're in the business. Oh, they're professionals, Matt. Giving Macy the business. That's right. And business? Mm-hmm. It's booming. <laughs> the greatest fucking line here. He's just like, we're not a bank, Jerry. Stan Grossman's like, we're not a bank, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> he tells him, uh, what I got written down. What the heck, Jerry? If I wanted bank interest on seven hundred fifty thousand, I'd go to Midwest Federal. Talk to Bill Deal. Bill Deal. No, he's up Gross. at. Oh, he's North. up at Norster. Yeah. No, he's. <laughs> I fucking love the dropping of a first and last first name. First and last. It's meaningless. Baby. Just meaningless to the story. A character we're never gonna fucking meet. It's so okay. fleshed out. It's Bill so Deal up at Midwest. Midwest Federal. Like I say, it's so Midwest. I don't really know the rest of the country, but. That's that's Probably what you sucks, do here. I would imagine. You give first oh, you last give first names. and last names. You got to make these connections. You got to give stories legitimacy. Over there at too. That's yeah. how you describe a lot of people. Yeah. You know him over there at, at this over thing. There, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the deal goes bad, and then we just cut to just a gorgeous overhead shot of this snow-covered, empty parking lot. Yeah. That, uh, Fucking Macy's just haphazardly parked in the middle of all askew because you can't see where any of the parking fucking spots, spots oh, are. It's so and he's just real. Gotta slowly trudge through the snow, this little speck of a man to get back to his fucking car while that Fargo music's just playing. This scene is so real, man. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Stuff. It's every fucking winter, and then he gets this fucking car and he's got to scrape off his fucking windshield. Oh, yeah. That's this just a great. solid brick of ice. It's going nowhere. It's not feasible. You can either you gotta get that heater running for a good 10 minutes before you're even going to be able to attack that ice with a scraper. You can hope that you do some magic thing where you crack it right and it comes off as one giant no, sheet. Give me a break. Or you just got to sit in the freezing fucking car for 15 minutes That's and right. hope that That's it warms up. Good God, life sucks out fucking here. Fucking phenomenal here. Just another just great visual of his constant impotence in every situation he can't get through the ice so he freaks the fuck out throws a temper tantrum and throws his fucking scraper but then he's still stuck out there so he just has to sheepishly walk over and pick, pick it, up, it again up and go right back to fucking scraping god it like <laughs> sucks here man so much frustration it oh, just fucking gets in your bones watching this goddamn movie jesus christ you remember when we went to that fucking uh Amateur wrestling show out at the Windy City Field House. Oh, sure. On the it west side like of the a, city. It was a great day. By Jong Boo's Market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, we went in there to start the show. And by the time we got out, 
We're parked at the parking garage that's in between the Windy City Fieldhouse oh, right. and Was the Target. Target over there? Oh. And it was a fucking ice right storm from hell. This is a great little area. Jesus Christ, Sure, man. sure. Yeah, I remember that. The windshield, it was like that. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting inside in the freezing cold while you were outside scraping like Jerry Lundegaard. Oh, Christ. Underdressed for the Flashbacks. occasion. Flashback. Oh, oh, wait, it's Jerry. Oh, oh, God. Oh, uh, oh wait, uh, it's, it's Jeannie. Oh, Next scene, William H. Macy's at home, and he sees that the kidnapping has happened. He kind of has a moment where he's, like, freaked out, like, oh, shit, that, all it, that it stuff really I happened. put into play, it, it really fucking happened. We're doing happened. this. Oh, no. We're doing this. So now he's practicing his fake crying he's going to do, and he calls up his father-in-law and tells them that his wife has been fucking kidnapped. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking sleazeball. <laughs> Just... William H. Macy's fucking Jerry Lundegaard is just the least likable, most contemptible, little fucking dickhead <laughs> that's maybe ever been in a goddamn movie. Yeah. People talk about that. Uh, we got to talk. It's, that's shameless. It's bad. It's, oh, jeez. Right oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. And then when the call connects, he goes into like his instant deep-voiced professionalism because he's got to go through a secretary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I need to talk to... Uh, uh, Wade Gustafson, please. <laughs> Great comedic timing in that fucking shit right there. He's, he's killing it here, folks. Talk about incompetence. Uh, every character in this movie, just incompetent on every level, mm-hmm. which uh, we see in the next scene when Buscemi forgot to put the temporary tags in the back of their stolen car that they're driving a kidnapped, tied-up woman in the backseat of. Yeah. So uh, they get pulled over by a, a, a state trooper, I think, is, is what happens here. So they're driving down this snow-covered uh, highway. Indeed. It's a it's a bad situation that uh easily avoidable if you just take your life as a criminal a, a little bit more serious. Yeah, it's all and, about uh, the details. There's just a real tension and dread to all the incompetence these characters in this movie exhibit because you know it's just leading to everybody dying horribly that's, yeah. that's the only place that it could possibly only right only way to go great great delivery from uh buscemi here as they pull over and he tells uh genie in the backseat all right uh be quiet back there we're going to have to you know shoot you it's like norm mcdonald cadence yeah. randomly he just delivers shoot the there's got to you know shoot you yeah, he'll handle it though he'll handle it oh he tells Stormare he's gonna handle it yeah he's gonna he's gonna bribe their way out of this situation right here which is more fucking Buscemi being an idiot for no reason could have just shown this guy the temporary plates no like oh forgot to put these up tape these up instead smooth little move tries here. to be the big dick guy and bribe his way out of the situation shows license and registration does not work with a 50 poking out of his Why wallet just take care of it in, right here right in brainerd. here in brainerd and says that eight times oh, i thought maybe we could just take care of it right, right here, here in brainerd, brainerd. storm air sees that this is not going well not so at all what he does is he reaches over and grabs the cop by his hair, pulls mm-hmm. him close, and then just point-blank shoots a gun through his skull. Yeah, right through the top of the skull. Creating a blood geyser that sprays across the entire front of the tan Sierra we're driving around in here. And Buscemi's face. Oh, all over Buscemi, his yeah. face, his chest, and it's it's a lot of gore you get here Yes, yeah. this, this first murder scene. And it's, it's setting a tone for what you're going to get for the rest of the movie. The violence sets the tone like it it's the it's what bases the whole movie in reality oh for sure when everything's just 
crazy like do they really talk too silly do they really like, talk this, like that out there is maybe is it really oh, like oh shit <laughs> look at that blood shit yeah, got real that's that's exactly what happens when people die in the real world yeah yeah it's, te- it's terribly violent oh which is great because uh buscemi's reaction to all this blood splatting over him whoa daddy <laughs> oh daddy and like a storm air finally like the first full sentence he says in the movie just starts mocking him like oh you'll take care of it you're a smooth smoothie <laughs> you're smooth smooth man <laughs> oh don't forget he gives the salad shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah to the wife in the back. Random outbursts at the whimpering woman every oh. like 15 minutes are tremendous. Oh, God. So he tells Buscemi, just go clear him off the road. Unfortunately, since Can't even do that right. we're in the middle of fucking nowhere and you can see for miles and miles, uh, a car's coming in their direction and they could see it coming for a long, long time. So you get to milk this dread of, oh, God, these people are going to die horribly. Mm-hmm. And this is such a funny shot when they pass by and you just see these two pied-faced fucking white Midwesterners mm-hmm. shocked at the sight of Steve Buscemi covered in blood dragging the corpse of a fucking cop. Look on that dude's fucking <laughs> face, man. Great, great fucking physical comedy here. And then Stormare turns into basically the Terminator instantly. Yep. Hops over to the driver's seat and just starts following these people <laughs> fucking high speeds to just go fucking murder their asses. Which is uh, what happens. Yeah. Mm. Chases him down. Off the road, chases sees the down. headlights, loses or taillights. Loses I like how the guy, like him. they crash. The guy's just like, oh shit, leaves his fucking woman behind and just starts fucking hauling ass across that big snow-covered field. Uh, like, where are you going, man? There's uh, cliffs on both sides. You can't paddle to New Zealand. Yeah. Like, no, you just get shot in the back. Yeah, he doesn't. Fucking Storm Air doesn't even hesitate. He, no, he just watches Puts him run for a spine. minute and just shoots him. Walks over to the whimpering woman who's trapped under the car. Oh. Sort of turns his head a little bit so it doesn't get like splattered in his mouth yeah. and shoots at her fucking close range. That's a brutal fucking murder. This is a man that has killed people before. Oh, yeah. Lots of times, this turns out. When, when Buscemi got caught off guard with the cop's blood in his mouth and face. That's right. Never would happen to Stormare. This guy's no. always ready for blood to mm-hmm. spill. Mm-hmm. Um... A lot of stuff we've gone through so far. Most of the movies we've talked about, this would be a good like hour and a half into the fucking movie already. What are we like? 20, 32 minutes right 32? now. 32 minutes. I was going to guess, guess 25. Happened. And we're finally introduced to Marge Gunderson, the protagonist of the film, mm-hmm. in this weirdly plotted, weirdly structured Coen Brothers script. 32 minutes in, we meet the fucking good guy for the first time. And. What just a perfect fucking scene to introduce us to the fucking Gundersons right here. Oh, jeez. Ah, uh, fucking. She's woken up early in the morning by call telling her there's been a horrific triple homicide in her fucking small town. Oh, jeez. And her, her husband, Norm, decides he's going to get out of bed to her and uh, make her some eggs. She's gotta have gotta breakfast. Gotta have a breakfast. Just his fucking delivery of just like her being like, no, no, don't worry. His, I'll make you some eggs. Uh. <laughs> it's like the most horrible throat clearing noise ever. It's uh, the most disgusting noise I've ever heard. And then I'll make you some eggs. It pays <laughs> off every once in a while. And I've said it before. When I, when I watch these movies, a lot of times uh. I'll have the uh, subtitles on because you know I'm oh, writing yeah. notes. How do you subtitle that? And it's easier. Make sure I don't miss anything. You know. And yeah, it just it was just 
I'll make you some eggs. And then just dramatic throat clearing. <laughs> uh, who could eat eggs after hearing that? But next scene, they're sitting down at their uh, little little kitchen table there, and they're eating well, some eggs. It's a little, little nook. A little nook. They got there in uh, just a tiny little uh, homey little residence they're in. It's, it's very idyllic in a small town way, but... Uh, I'm just thinking here, like, she's off, she's all dressed up in uh, her fucking, you know, regulation uniform, she's yep. off to do, and this guy is just straight up James Potter in it, in adult pajamas mm. with a fucking robe over it, yep. sipping coffee at this table after she yep. leaves, and I'm just like, this is this guy's entire life, from this, he's gonna... Sit around sipping coffee for like four hours. Maybe fucking paint a duck like at some point, like mid afternoon. This guy has got shit fucking figured out. Oh, Norm yeah. Gunderson. Oh yeah, his fucking uh, McDormand Margie gets up. She's like, I'm full. She's done eating, and there's still a full fucking plate yeah. of breakfast sitting he, there. He drags the Midwest across baby. the fucking table. His pregnant wife. <laughs> He's eating more than his pregnant wife and yep. fucking. Ooh, that's that's saying something right there. Hardy folk up there in Minnesota. This guy fucking life goals right here. Yeah. How do I become a Norm Gunderson? Yeah, you only live to about sixty five at max. Oh, sounds great. Yeah. Sounds like the dream. Right. Uh, Gary says a triple homicide. This is my next uh, bullet point here because we're off on that crime scene that we saw all the shit go down. Yes, in. sir. Old Margie here, she's very pregnant. Now she's just under several layers of snow gear, so she's just waddling through this fucking murder scene, and it's a tremendous visual. Well, careful there, Margie. I think stuck with a lot of people. Who is this guy she's talking to? Is he Leo? Uh, I think his name's Leo. Either way, this guy is just completely fucking useless. It's hilarious how he just has nothing to add. It clearly has not done a day of work in his life as a police officer. He brought her coffee. He's standing there holding the coffees while she just waddles around and just solves the case by all the visual fucking clues. She's you see so something there, Margie? Fucking good, man. Just No, uh, just think I'm gonna barf. She puts it all together. Oh, uh, don't forget, uh, before she leaves the house, though, when she's with Norm, mm-hmm. when she comes back in. Prowler needs a jump. Prowler needs a jump. And she, yeah. and then in this scene here. Probably when like she's, six in the morning still here. They got to go out in the freezing cold because the battery's dead because it's so bitterly yeah. cold outside. That's real fucking wintertime Midwestern I've, shit. I've done that. I've had that. Uh, when she's out here inspecting the fucking murder scene, and again, she's like, mm-hmm. oh, and, you know, oh, this one got it twice inside the car. Right. One in the head, one in the hand. Looks like a defense wound. Uh-huh. And then uh, the man, a couple feet away from the prowler. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that a thing? Do they call cars prowlers in I, fucking Minnesota? Yeah, I would if I was fucking prowling around. Yeah, we're going to do that. Brainerd. We I love, that. too, when she goes and she finds the uh, corpse of the uh, cop, and she's just like, oh, and he looks like a nice enough fella. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> She realizes by the car his, where the couple was killed. He got his head fucking cleared out like a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is she looking at deciding he looks like a nice he enough like fella? He looks like a nice enough fella. I love that's her fucking reaction to this horrific corpse in front of her. Unflappable, these these Minnesota people. Just day-to-day life is hard enough. Yep. You're not going to be able to fucking Can't get, get them worried. You're not going to get, get nothing more than an odd oh, geez. People. Yeah, exactly. Uh, she's also deciphered that uh, there's big 
footprints by the couple's car. There's He's small a big foot, fella. footprints Ooh, by the car. He cop's must have been car. a little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, so, uh, Lou's looking for uh, the wrong plates here because he's looking for license plates that are like DLR, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. she tells him, oh, I don't know if I agree with your police work there, Lou. Tells her that they're dealer plates they should be looking for. I love how this guy's got like no reaction. He's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah why do you say that? Completely comfortable with knowing nothing. Like there's no hint of just like, oh, this guy's going to bluster at like yeah. a woman uh, showing him up at his job. No, I don't give a fuck. No, this guy is just like. Calm as a fucking Buddha cow. He would like, prefer somebody yes, to just give him the fucking exactly. answer. This guy is just floating through every goddamn day of his life without a thought crossing his mind. Yep. Just living in bliss, Lou. Just like, oh, I'll bring her a coffee. She'll like that. That's the most important thought he has during the day. I used the phrase last week, and it's fucking couldn't be more important than for this movie right here. Midwest polite. Oh, for, for fucking sure. This movie... That that is fake based Midwest nice upon surface Midwest level polite. Nice, right? Don't want to make any waves here. No, no waves. That would be the worst. The worst thing that could happen. Uh, you got a problem. You call a professional. Is my next bullet point. Yes, here. sir. Jerry's meeting with Wade and Stan Grossman about the plan. How they're going to deal with this kidnapping. No cops. Doesn't want to go to a cops. No fucking Jerry's telling him. You got to listen to me on this one here, Wade. Yeah. This is my deal. He's still trying to take control. Tell people that this is his deal. He's going to be the He's the gotta, alpha here. You're, you're never going to be the alpha. <laughs> I love Wade's uh, like uh, constant uh, obsession with professionalism and professionals throughout yeah. the entire show. Like you can tell he's just got like this roster of guys he deals with. Like this yeah. is the guy I call if there's an electric problem. This is the guy I call if uh, fucking there's an accounting error. <laughs> Stan like, Grossman knows. Ask Stan Grossman. It's like when Bobby Hill saves up for the video game system and he's going he's gonna to go oh, buy it. Wow, but uh-huh. Hank tells him, well, you need to have a guy. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's got a guy that he gets guy. cars from. He's got a guy that he gets whatever from. This is a big got, time a guy. baby boomer thing. Like, yeah. uh, this is the guy, guy who that. does this thing. And, like, that's where his value comes from as a human being. The fact that he, like, does this thing and he's the guy in town that you go to, to get this thing done from. Where do you fall in with that? Are you uh, the the new millennium or new millennial where you just Google whatever? You don't really oh, give a sure. fuck? Yeah. You can Google anything. It's no problem. I got to go fix this thing. I'll just go Google how to do it. Watch a five-minute video. I still got... Oh, no. You, well, yeah, you Google. But I'm saying, like, will you Google, like, hey, where should I go to Oh, go to help? a thing? Because like, I don't trust anybody, and it's solely... Recommendations of somebody who has a guy okay, is still, yeah. like, uh, useful, I think, yeah. in life, for fucking sure. See, my old man, like, ingrained that into me, yeah. where I trust no one. Like, somebody's star ratings on a yeah. Yelp or something, yeah. that maybe works for, like, restaurants or stuff, yeah. but, not, but not like a guy, right. know, like a guy who's got to come by your house to right. do something. As far as I'm concerned... All auto mechanics will mm-hmm. rip you off. Oh, absolutely. Unless, unless for you, whatever unless you reason, you know a guy. You know a guy. Yeah, this guy's yeah. got a guy, so I'm going to go over there. You got to have an in so that the last they time don't. I went somewhere, oh, they fucking, they, they bent me over, oh, man. Yeah. They, they fucking bent me oh, over. Oh, yeah, saw you coming. Yeah. yeah, I think recommendations for uh, guys doing work is good, but then that whole baby boomer mindset, like uh, based around like accomplishments and professionalism, just leading to like generations of just empty fucking college diplomas that got nobody nowhere and all this fucking debt. Like it went too far in the other direction where it's just like accomplishments in like uh, just fake pieces of paper or whatever in, in, in fields has basically ruined our entire society. I got nothing jokes on you. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter. 
Just fucking look at one us. One guy's got a piece of paper, the other guy doesn't fucking there's no difference there other than thousands of dollars uh paid to some sort of false institution. That's right. It's, ugh. Ugh. You don't don't buy into it. You got a higher education, kids. This is not a thing. You got a college degree, and I'm a salesman like fucking William oh, H. Macy Jerry here. You know? over here. Yeah. That's right. And I'm uh, the bartender sweeping his driveway later <laughs> on this movie. <laughs> oh, spot on. Well, I love this here where uh, this is the deal here, Wade. She's my wife. And uh, you get just this lifetime of rightly not being taken seriously by anyone has got this guy at the end of his fucking rope until uh stan grossman stan grossman is okay i i need i got a side with uh jerry here wade i I love how stan grossman is just understood by all these characters as being the one guy who's talking about yeah but i love how uh the end of the scene is just grossman being like okay yeah i agree we shouldn't go to the cops you have is is scotty gonna be all right with this and you could just tell it just dawns over fucking Never William H. Macy's fucking face. Thought of that. Not for a fucking second. Planning this entire thing, did he think like, how is this going to affect my son, Scotty, when yeah. I have his mother violently kidnapped out of our home? Call that collateral damage. Great fucking acting here and just great fucking character stuff for this scumbag. Didn't for a second think about his fucking kid. Next thing he's got to go talk to Scotty. He raised his home. Where Scotty is just despondent. Yeah. In his awesome 13-year-old boy 1987 fucking bedroom yep. here. So he got like a white snake poster on the oh, wall, I fucking man. think. And like a, a, like a keyboard, like some sort of shitty keyboard yeah. on his fucking bed or whatever. But Scotty wants to go to the cops, too. He's and, uh, Fucking Jerry tells him, no, no, we got to play ball with these guys. You ask Stan Grossman, he'll tell you the same thing. Oh, he throws so it right even, out there. They're even name-dropping Stan Grossman to little children. What do you think they're doing to her? <laughs> what do you think they're doing to mom? I love it. just these questions he keeps asking, like, God. <laughs> like, Scotty's having a moment here. He's never going to be the same. What do you think they're doing to her? <laughs> no, no, now these guys, they just want money, Scotty. She's going to be fine there, you know. So he, he does the worst Probably job, back in five seconds, worst so. job ever of uh, letting Scotty, just calming this kid down, and then leaves him and closes his uh, bedroom door, to which uh, it's revealed that Scotty has a poster of uh, the Accordion King. Yeah, that's a guy. It's, it's a, just a man playing the accordion real big, a poster on Somewhere in the Alps. No, nobody's lame enough even in the fucking midwest no as a teenage boy yeah would have some sort of accordion player they're super into this is i think the one point in the movie where the coen brothers overplay their hand a little bit and i'm yeah. like all right that doesn't feel authentic that feels like you making fun of midwesterners right here yeah yeah that's uh on the other hand i do uh but you gotta I do understand that they did grow up in minneapolis so maybe one of their Dork asses had a fucking accordion poster That's on one of their. That's They probably knew, or at least knew somebody that was like way too into accordion music. But you can't beat the fact of how great that fucking scene is when William H Macy does his half-assed job mom. of fucking so comforting his son and being and then father. Shuts the door just behind shuts him. The door just to reveal that fucking poster, man. Like eh, it works as an exclamation point. 
Next scene, the kidnappers have gotten Mom out to the cabin in the woods they're going to keep her by. Up over there by the lake. Yep. Uh, Moose Lake, I think it is. Yep. <laughs> she once again breaks free and starts trying to run away from them, but she's got a hood over her head and her hands tied hands, behind her back. Yeah. She can't. And Buscemi's just, instead of going after her, just stands there and watches her struggle for a while. Just thinks and it's, it's just like one of the cruelest moments in the fucking movie. His just like glee at watching this terrified woman just running zigzags, whimpering and screaming. I just, I don't know what Stormare's doing in this scene. Because he's, of course, just silent through the whole thing. But then he kind of looks at Buscemi. Just looking at him. I don't know if he's giving him like a... Yeah, you're right. That's kind of funny. Or if he's like, a, even I think that's kind of fucked up. Like, I, think, I can't, I can't read him in this moment. I read it as he deems it unnecessary. Okay, I can see that. Like, Stormare is this very. Is, this is the sort of just side bullshit that's gonna make this thing end poorly. Yeah, Stormare's just very. It's this or it's that. There's no in between. It's all a job. A very brief scene, because we got to move on to another one of the most important scenes in the film. Uh, Arby's and Nightcrawlers yeah. is the next, uh, yeah. next bullet point I got here. Norm brings uh, Margie some uh, Arby's. She shows up at work. Her husband's there. I brought you some lunch. Ooh, is that Arby's? And they just sit at her desk eating Arby's. She reveals that she's went down to the bait shop and bought him some Nightcrawlers during her free time during the day. Also... Just trading roast beef sandwiches and fucking nightcrawlers. This is this is a dream relationship right here. Is that a Midwest thing as well? Arby's? Or no, where something's clearly labeled and uh-huh. you still say, "Oh, what oh, do you what got do, there?" What do you got there? And uh, like my grandfather, I think, I think maybe that's a thing. Yeah, I think was, this is a thing from around here. My grandfather with the the you people was notorious. I worked with him for a while, and I would go get lunch at lunchtime, uh-huh. and I'd come back with a bag of Wendy's. Well, asking hey, what, what people got there, are Wendy's? Also a big-time just preoccupation with fucking people around here, for yeah. sure. Anytime, oh, where are you going? What are you going to order? Like, yeah. well, that sort of talk. People love that sort of shit. Yeah, because it opens up conversation to be like, oh, you can't get this. You got to get that. Oh, if you tried this over there, no, you got to go to that place mm, for that Absolutely. Thing. Yeah, I great. love this moment here too, where she hands him the night crawlers and he like kisses her on the cheek and she's like, Oh, you get, you got Arby's all over me. Yeah. I love how they're not like, Oh, what'd you get? Like beef sandwiches. What'd you get this? They just call it Arby's. Yeah. Any food from Arby's is just Arby's. We're yeah. eating Arby's. Yeah. Uh, hand me some of that Arby's over there. Yeah. Uh, my good friend growing up, the goob. Uh-huh. His, uh, his grandfather was that guy. Wherever you went, sure. he'd be like, let me get an Arby's. <laughs> I guess that's not how it works, Grandpa. Uh, you you, 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 you got to say real yeah, things. For sure, yeah. And uh, so this is just a great little scene to show this rock-solid relationship. These are two people who prop each other up, don't tear each other down, making yeah. their lives easier for each other rather than harder. And also, we got to push forward this B-plot about the contest that Norm has entered his Mallard painting into, I'd trying call, to get it onto a stamp. I'd call it a 1A or 1B plot. We're getting, we're getting some updates here. Not a B uh, another plot, one of the, the cops asks him about it. We, get, we, get, yeah. we know that there's a couple across town who he's got sort of a little bit They're of a really rivalry good. with. Yeah, but you're good too, Norm, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, we treat this, uh, this plot about the the Mallard painting as seriously as anything else that happens mm-hmm. in this movie, and I fucking love that. It's not presented as a joke, sir. Nope. 
Lou comes in after talking about that. He's just like, oh, by the way, the owner of the Blue Ox uh, fingered that fucking car we're looking for, said there was a big guy and a little guy, and they had two hookers. So we could just go talk to these two hookers now. Local townies. Okay. These weren't hookies. Some, some hookers. gals about these town, just, you think? I think they were just locals down for pound town. This scene so ridiculous. Marge going and interviewing these two uh, women who had sex in the same room with mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi and Pierce Stormare that it made up like the bulk of the trailer for the film, I remember. Yeah. It's like half the trailer was just their conversation here. So you were having sex with the little fella, huh? Yeah. I don't know. He's funny looking. What the Coens do when they're cast in a fucking movie or where they fucking find these people, but good God, like every tiny role, no matter how few lines they have in every one of their movies, they just find the perfect goddamn people. And these two just fucking ponytailed, like 24-year-old chubby girls they got Mm -hmm. to play these two girls that fucked those guys and that just... These can't be actresses. You can't, like get a file on these girls through a casting agent or something. Where do they find these fucking people? They're just thick-boned Midwest gals. Talking about how they were uh, going to college or whatever, but the other one, oh, she dropped. Oh, yeah, yeah, she dropped. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who who talks like that other than perfectly these people in the fucking Midwest? But all the talk here about Steve Buscemi being funny looking. It's that's hilarious. who. Th- that's who she is. Okay, you got a son of a bitch. Update on this woman. The thick blonde. Yeah, what are you loving her from? Barbara Jean from Reba. <laughs> oh, okay. She was on the the, the sitcom Reba, which of course no, 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 started no, no. Reba. Reba. I remember that. Uh, what was the premise of that one? What was what was Reba doing on that show? Uh, Reba is uh-huh. raising her kids, of course, because yeah. her got ex you. gets remarried mm. to this young southern oh. socialite whatever wannabe remember that probably somebody pre- is this this chubby girl Played from fargo? This chubby girl from oh, fargo wow. that sounds like a real fucking she dream. goes from rag to riches now that sounds Reba? Um, like was that on in a programming block with the torkelsons because i remember seeing a handful of episodes of the <laughs> torkelsons and i feel like that was around the same era as Ariba, but what the fuck was the I have no strong sense. memories Talking of about Reba. PJ's Maybe projects? that one came. It was also like a, oh, these people are a sitcom family, but they're like fucking southern hillbillies with accents. Yeah. Could have been. Oh, you're talking about the dude, man? You had that one little blonde kid who looks like uh, Chanel West Coast in it as uh, like the youngest son who went on to be like the nerd kid in Boy Meets World from what I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Keep the Torkelsons. That's all I can come up with when I come to his name. That kid has the same face as Chanel West Coast. He does. Bing it, everybody. You're right. Fucking bing it. It's guy creepy as shit. Guy from Rilo Kylie was in a uh, Boy Meets World too. Oh wow, yeah. that's a lot of good actors in that band, as it turns out. Yeah, like I say, he was funny looking more than most people, even. Yeah. Once again, Marge is patient as she's trying patience as she's trying to get information out yeah. of these just two complete nincompoops of women. She's she's a saint. She's she's not being frustrated with them. She's getting what she can out of them. This woman is unflappable. What do you mean by funny looking? He's uncircumcised. <laughs> great scene. Great scene. And next we get that weird little scene where uh, Steve Buscemi's just beating on the fucking staticky TV. Yeah. Yelling, fucking shit box. Yeah. Storm Air is just sitting there staring. And you can just see his breath. It's so cold in their cabin. You can see the breath 
through the mask <laughs> of staring the at the mom genie, the wife you can see her breath and like her breathing and Stormare's breathing are like synced up and then I like, Shemi's just in the background screaming the F word and beating on the TV nonstop. They've got, this is a weird little scene here. They've got the oven on and open to yeah. try to She's heat sitting the in place. front of the open fucking electric oven. Like, who who do you think decided to put her there? Which one of them do you think was like, well, you can sit here so it's not too it's cold? It's a good question because Stormare clearly is sitting far away from it and doesn't care at all no. about fucking being cold or being hot whatsoever. Oh, and we need to talk about what the fuck Stormare's wearing at the lake house. Oh, sure. Because <laughs> he's, I mean, he looks cool he's out got a real about Elmer Fudd sort of like the, the, the blue ox and everything else. But yeah, here... He's just wearing this like fucking 80s Bill Cosby sweater, but he's got these fucking poofy like mm. the, they look like the pants that they wore in the first Alien movie sure. when they had to go outside of the ship. Uh-huh. Like yeah. uh-huh. he's wearing those <laughs> pants and he's also got like full fucking, on long johns. But he's got like fucking Converse like space boots on too mm-hmm, with it. Mm-hmm. it. It's insane. He's uh he's just white, white from head to toe with Blonde fashion icon hair. right there. Yeah, he really is. Good. He's doing some things. Yeah, weird fucking little scene here. Very disturbing. Very tense. But I don't even know why. Yeah. You're just like, what is he thinking? You're uncomfortable yeah. and you don't know why. what's going through his head right yeah. here. Uh, this next scene, uh, Norman Marge are falling asleep watching nature programming. Yeah. <laughs> just great fucking acting from Norm's John Carroll Lynch here when she tells him, I think I'm going to turn in. And he is fucking out but he's got to do that moment where he like pretends like he was still up watching the tv yeah. too and give her like a oh oh yeah sure sure it's just the look on his fucking face he had to have been really sleeping nobody acts that well i'm gonna tell you nobody right can now. act that well nate i've been married for two years now in the midwest oh, god that seems like a long long hard cold road longer than you know and uh there's not a movie the two of us watch that I'm not like sure. Yeah, no, I'm awake. Yeah, anybody, has anybody watched any anything yeah. from uh, beginning to end? I'm in awake. Those two years. I'm awake. Probably never. <sighs> not a once. Once they turn the TV off and are settled in, some unspecified time later, in the middle of the night, Marge gets a call from uh, Mike Yanagita, our next big character introduced in this film. Yeah, maybe one of my favorite side characters in any movie ever. It's Mikey Anagita. Leading to probably my favorite scene later on uh, of the 1990s cinema, I think, here. Yeah. The basic gist of this thing is, though, uh, she gets a call from a guy she hasn't heard from since high school, yeah. and he's like, oh, I just saw you on the TV. And she's like, what fucking time is it? And he's like, oh, oh, I don't know. It's late. 10.45. So, uh, once again, unflappable, this woman. 10.45. She's Minnesota nice to him through this whole just... Uh, polite through this whole conversation happening yep. in the dead of fucking night uh, gets lets him get out everything he needs to and fucking ends it and go, it's great goes to about hear the from you yeah, right it wasn't it clearly was not great to hear from great him, to hear from you gonna tell him that it was also norm fucking out for this whole conversation oh. <laughs> this guy we've established didn't do anything all day except get up and go to arby's once how is he even asleep right now? This guy's, breakfast, this guy's burning man. off no fucking energy. I'd be tossing and turning if I had this guy's day. Cooked your breakfast was, that and morning. It was only 1045. He's working on Jesus pain, Christ, this bro. guy's living a dream. He's uh, working hard. This is also the first scene that I noticed. Like, good God, the bear paws on Norm. 
compared oh. to little Francis he's a, McDormand. He's a big fella. He's a, to say the least. <laughs> uh, next scene, we get the big call from between uh, Buscemi and uh, William H. Macy. Blood has been spilled, Jerry! Oh, God. He's demanding more money now that they had to kill three people. William H. Macy's just squirming more Circumstances and more, have changed, Jerry. Saying geez more and more. And fucking a great little interaction between these two characters, too, because they're both the put-upon beta males of the they're movie. They're the same guy. They're yeah. the same guy, except Buscemi knows that he can act like the tough guy around William H. Macy, and it's maybe the first time in his life he's ever been able to do it and pull it off. Yep. So he's just fucking leaning into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Just loving it, trying to fucking intimidate this little dork. They uh, want the whole 80K. Yeah, they, they turns out they want the whole 80K. They don't even know that it's a fucking million dollars on the no. table. They're getting scammed right and left here. Uh, and uh, fucking, they have this tense call, end it, and then instantly the fucking... Serial number guys call back up GMAC, again. GMAC, folks. They still the haven't gotten those serial numbers in the mail. And just, you just, this is like, you know, office level uh, humor that makes you squirm type yep. stuff. Only there's no humor to it. It's just, nope. it's only making you squirm is what's going on it's here. It's just in case you, you forgot. Sit, yeah. In these uncomfortable moments. And that's real life, baby. Like sure. you're fucking doing day-to-day yeah. shit that you're like, oh, Jesus, how am I going to do this? And then you get reminded about something else mm-hmm. that's like, oh, fuck, I still got to deal with that in my bullshit life. Anxiety trigger after anxiety oh, trigger fucking God. sitting through this guy. Makes you feel movie. like you could do nothing. And then just he gets off the fucking phone call with this guy who's telling him, like, well, we're going to get legal involved. I love the choice of cutting to a different camera outside his office when he throws this temper tantrum, throwing shit around, and you just see him do it through the window silently. Because, like, if you were there with him in the moment, it'd just be like, oh, he's breaking down. When you see it at a distance and you see he's, like, doing it in a you're place from at his work where other people can see it, too, you're just like, well, this guy's completely lost the fucking thread. Like, there's no way he's pulling this shit together. It's like when Punch Drunk Love makes sure to back that camera towards the office door mm. so you can see when Sandman flips out and punches the map on the wall. Also, Sandman... I mean, William H. Macy's doing great work and everything. Nobody, nobody does flip outs like the Sandman. Oh, Christ. That guy's temper tantrums in movies. I'm going oh. home. I'm watching Punch yeah, Drunk Love. You yeah. got to. What else are you going to do tonight? Uh, uh. Chicken fricassee is my next uh, bullet point because it's a scene Time where Marge and Norm are at the buffet. Once again, we're worrying ourselves with where they're going to eat and what they're going to eat, primarily when we're talking to these characters. She uh, is just loading up her buffet plate. Oh, Swedish yeah. meatballs, a chicken fricassee, which I got a question. What's a chicken fricassee? What was going on in this tray? It looked like just a bunch of like chicken thighs covered in like cum and seaweed from what yeah. I can tell. It did not look appetizing no. at all. But then when the other guy comes in, when they're sitting at the table, he's like, oh, how's the fricassee today? She's like, oh, real good. Like, clearly this place is there. known for the fricassee. Yeah. That's what everybody's coming here for. I also like that she declares in that moment that uh, her and Norm are just sitting down to lunch here. Yeah, that's right. Those and big ass plates, that ain't they've dinner. they maybe 4,000 calories in front of each of them. And there's, there's just mouth noises. <laughs> they're just, just silent chewing and oh, mouth noises for most of this fucking scene. And this shit hit hard. This fucking weird buffet they're at that's got sort of like, it's all brown and wood, but it's kind of like you're in like a Bavarian fucking building or something. And just this hit me just like, 
I can just just memories, buried memories of just like so many going with my dad like on weekends and like my dad taking me to like sad buffet dinners at places that look like this. And I'm just like, where even were we? Because these are memories I've buried and I can't even begin to tell you like where any of these places were, like what they would be now or what, but they fucking existed. Do these things still exist in Minnesota? I wonder. There's a spot we go to out, uh, towards Wheaton, towards Lombard where oh, my like brother the middle lives. Of fucking nowhere. It's a burger joint, uh-huh. but the decor is identical okay. to this Sounds place. Like a place. I'd like to check out. It's called Alfie's. Alfie's, huh? Yeah. I'm going to stick that on my to-do list. It's all night-themed, like Sir Alfie's. Like oh, K-N-I-G-H-T. that sounds pretty yeah. crappy in a way that I would really fucking yeah. enjoy. We'll take you out there. Oh, It'll yeah, be that nice. that sounds good. That sounds good. But uh, there's some sort of information we get here during this scene. Like a cop comes in, and he's like, oh, we got some sort of clue or whatever. I, I forget exactly what that one was. Mm-hmm. But uh, hold on. I might have it. Hold on a Oh, they're investigating some malfeasance. Oh, okay. Oh, that's later. Uh, they're at the lunch. Uh, uh, they got the phone records uh, from the hotel. Oh, that's right. And there's Shep a call. Proudfoot. Yeah, the Shep Proudfoot and a trucking company in the Twin Cities. Okay, perfect. Next scene, Wade's back just growling. <laughs> they want my money. They can deal with me. Otherwise, I'm going to a professional. Oh. Uh, once again, Jerry's squirming. Oh, 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 geez, Wade, I'm telling you, these guys, they only want to deal with me. Yeah, they're so, very specific. So, I love here when he, he gets, puts it aside, his, his uh, backhanded uh, remarks to uh, Jerry are getting less backhanded here. He goes, all due respect, I don't want you mucking this up. <laughs> what do you mean, all due respect? He said all due That's respect. Right. That's right. So he's trying to sell him on the fact that no, no, no. These guys said if anybody else talks to him, <laughs> he just barks at him. God damn it, Jerry. You're not selling me a used car here. <laughs> Zero respect for uh, his son-in-law and his career as a fucking used car salesman. That That's goddamn sure. He's going to handle this because he's a professional is, is what they establish here. He's, he's, he's doing the handoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a little scene here where Marge is now in the Twin Cities. She's closing in on Jerry Lundergaard. She's at the Radisson, and uh, or no, she's she's at she, where she's staying. Yeah, asking somebody on the phone for recommendations of a good place to get lunch because we're calls, right about uh, lunch. She calls the local detective in town. That's right. Yeah, yeah, she's collaborating with this guy on her leads. He tells her uh, go to the Radisson, and I love her reaction to it. Which what do you is, gotta ask? Oh, is it reasonable? It's <laughs> a good question to ask. What a fucking Midwest thing to ask yeah. about somebody giving you a fucking lunch recommendation. Like, a, like is it reasonable? Everybody else is taught like, oh, you don't bring up things like money, blah 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 blah. Right, blah. But right. like, you bring up any kind of restaurant like around here. First question, like, well, how much? How much? Right. How much is this? Cost? Is a culture where quality of food means quantity of food yeah. directly. It's just like yeah. how much food is going to be on my plate here for and how many dollars? What am I paying? Like, yeah. oh yeah, that does sound like a good restaurant. Then yeah, that's four thousand calories of food for a low price. Reasonable. So uh, we've established she's going to get some lunch here while she's in the Twin Cities. You got to. Uh, we get a little scene here of Steve Buscemi switching the plates off of his car yep. and. Uh, 
little car park by the oh, airport. Good shit. And then though. he just gets in a bickering this is, fight with the, this the guy working the game. Right here. Great character stuff yeah. here. I decided not to park here. Yeah. The guy's just like, my hands are tied, man. Like, uh, there's a minimum fucking fee you get in here. Yeah. I'm only going to charge you the minimum. It's four yeah. fucking dollars. Like, Buscemi <laughs> thinks he's got 80 fucking dollars on the fucking line here, but he's going to get in a screaming match with a fucking minimum wage employee over a matter of four dollars. These are the limits of your life, man. <laughs> He's found an opportunity to try and play the alpha, to scream at a fucking minimum wage worker, and he's going to fucking lean into it. That, Everybody's run on insecurity in this movie. That might be my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> These are the game. limits of your life, man. <laughs> then he throws that at him and says, here's your $4, you pathetic piece of shit. <laughs> guy is not saying anything. Buscemi's uh, arguing with himself, and this guy's just slack-jawed looking at him like, who is this guy? His fucking uniform that made you wear. Make you feel powerful. <laughs> you pathetic piece of shit. Oh, God. These are the limits of your life, man. That uh, sums it up. Margie goes around and does her interviews uh, here. She checks in on Shep Proudfoot, who... Only gives her one-word answers, yep or nope. And uh, You start to understand real quick why he ran in tight circles with Mr. Stormare. You start to understand, too, that he's not listening to a word she says. All he's thinking about is getting his hands on Steve Buscemi, who led her to his doorstep and beating the living yep. shit out of that little weasel. For fucking sure. Absolutely. Next stop, she's checking in on old Jerry Lundegaard here at work at the car lot. And this side tremendous. In there. She walks in and he's just doodling circles on a fucking post-it pad of paper. And you can see it's just this is all he's been doing for probably the last like two hours. Yeah. Just sitting silently at his desk, making little fucking squiggles with a pen. This is this is corporate life in uh, the United States he's, for sure. He's whittling down the pencil so that he can blur the numbers on the uh, fucking. <laughs> That's right. That, that he's gonna send for the third back time. to GMAC <laughs> to try to fucking same plan, same plan as the first him. time. Yeah. He's going. I love this because just she's just she tells him too straight up like I'm just going around looking to see if there's any missing cars off lots. So yeah. nothing connecting him. He could just play it cool for like this two second interaction. Be like, nope, we fucking check our lot every day. Like we're not missing anything. She'd be like, okay, moving on. But he's such a fucking agitated creep. He can't help but just yeah. be completely suspicious in front of this. He's fucking got cop no right fucking here. cool. Yeah. No fucking cool whatsoever. Uh, th this is where she's, uh, investigating some malfeasance. Yeah, that's right. There's been some malfeasance leading to a tan Sierra. Lunch at the Radisson is, uh, the next, bullet point i have here uh not only is she taking up that person on the phone's recommendation that she go to the radisson she's gonna call up uh, mikey anagita she's a nice little uh reaching out because he told her he's in town for some business in the twin cities she's why married. not get lunch she's with, uh, with an old, old friend from high school it's gonna be harmless a little diversion they both happen to be in the same town yeah you're right isn't that nice you're right isn't that nice should be good Oh, God, you talk about all the fucking uncomfortable energy in the scenes with William H. Macy. Yeah. As soon as Stephen Park shows up as Mikey Anagita, this movie is fucking electric. Uh, he's, uh, well, he was, he was married to Lindsay Co Linda right. Cooksey. Linda Cooksey here. Yeah. We have this weird conversation he's telling her. Where is he working as an engineer at? Which firm is he with? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, so you could do a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, 
for an engineer. She's yeah. like, oh, this place is nice. She's kind of done up a little bit hilariously. <laughs> like she's wearing her nice maternity clothes. Yeah. Got a little makeup on. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's the Radisson, so it's pretty good. I love how she just wears that fucking sheriff's parka <laughs> all the time. <laughs> just because it's the, it's the heaviest coat Gotta she's be got. the warmest fucking thing she owns. Yeah. And this is so fucking Midwestern right here. Mine. Thinking that the Radisson's pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah. capital B basic. That's for fucking sure. Pretty quick into this conversation, he tries to switch seats and sit on her side of the booth, which she shuts him down on yeah. fucking instantly. And it's so goddamn uncomfortable to watch. Very. He starts just spiraling after this and squirming, and yeah. you just watch him break down over the course of this catching up, getting to know you conversation. Unflappable Marge. I always liked you so much. <laughs> she, for the first time in this movie, she's visibly uncomfortable and is crawling out of her skin and wants to get out of this fucking lunch date as soon as possible. She ordered a diet Pepsi that she's just clinging to like a life raft. She's got it next to her face. Just a death grip on this thing. I was like, you so much. You are. He's such a nice lady and I've just been so lonely. Oh, God. The guy breaks down and starts sobbing at the table there's a in million, the Radisson restaurant. There's a million of that guy out here, too. The genius of this fucking scene that just takes so long and introduces a new character and does not connect to the rest of the For plot nothing. in any fucking way None. whatsoever. And the Coen brothers just have the fucking juice in the pull to just leave it in their movie and nobody's going to tell them boo. I can, it's fucking beautiful. I can still remember like seeing this scene, watching the movie uh, for the first time. Uh, like, does anything jump at you more? Just like, what the hell? Uh, this scene is instantly uncomfortable. Uh, He's crying about his wife who died of cancer. He's sobbing about how he always thought she was such a special lady. Her uh, being fucking Marge Christ. Gunderson. And she's just got to She fought real hard, Marge. <laughs> Fade to black while he's just still sobbing. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, just a uh, whoo, whoo. Everybody in this character is just, or in this movie, is just raw nerves on the verge of a breakdown. <laughs> Fucking everyone. Nate, speaking of dates, we got another one. Ooh, Jose Feliciano. It's a big he's one. Got no complaints. No, sir. <laughs> Smash cut from sobbing to Steve Buscemi. On a date with a hooker at a Jose Feliciano concert. Escort. Just sort of a low-rent Barbara Streisand-looking Minnesota fucking hooker Uh, going on here. She, oh, Christ. What was the uh, fucking blonde from Saturday Night Live in the early 90s? She kind of looks like her. Oh, yeah, I know you're talking. Can't mm, think of her fucking name. No, no, me either. Not not, uh, the one who went crazy who was in UHF with the squeaky voice. uh, The sort of... uh, chubbier one no it might be oh yeah no not, not victoria jackson but same era same era oh yeah victoria jackson's a different one yeah yeah, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll pull her name little gross fucking line here where buscemi's uh somehow makes a pun and is telling her like you know just a little bit of the old in and out in and out and she's like disgusted it's like yeah. you paid for a hooker you don't have to like make creepy passes at her man yeah jesus it's Christ. A done deal pal what the fuck Money's exchanged hands. Yeah. Uh, he's just trying to have alpha energy here. Yeah. Fucking this scene where they're just, he's making small talk while they're eating dinner and watching Jose Feliciano. She's half engaged. Not at all. Just fucking 
not fucking listening to a goddamn visibly fucking bored. She's asking questions to be polite. Right. This is her fucking job, but you can yeah. tell this is the most annoyed she's been on one of these fucking dates, quote unquote dates in a long time. And I love, love, love that this little scene just ends with him trying to do the big dick move of flagging down the waiter with a fucking like 20 in his hand or something. Yeah. And he just gets completely fucking ignored. This guy deaf? <laughs> Once again, just impotence in his yeah. life. Cut to uh, them having the most boring sex of all time where she's just on top of him just moving her hips as slightly as she could possibly do it, giving yep. him a little like, ooh, oh yeah. She's oh, yeah. she not even giving him that. She's like, come on, come <laughs> yeah, on. That's right. Oh, just encourages. Oh, the bell's about to ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then a fucking Shep Proudfoot barges into this room, bear paws her off the top of him, <laughs> to which Steve Buscemi says, Shep, what the fuck you doing? I was banging that girl. <laughs> yep. I love his description of what was happening in this bed as banging someone. I was banging that girl. <laughs> oh, Christ. Uh, what's Shep calling here? A little mutt or something? I don't remember, but he throws One him hand a- tosses him across the uh, whole fucking room. You get that uh, Steve Buscemi ass and undercarriage That's shot. Right. He fucking trying to pull his pants up, so Shep pulls his own belt out of the guy's belt loop and then just starts wearing him out, uh, whipping him with his fucking own belt. Shep beats the shit out of Buscemi Beats the shit out of the neighbor who's complaining about the noise next door. <laughs> That's right. And kicks the escort in the ass. Just boot to her ass as she runs naked down the hallway. Uh, also, though, gotta Shep's throw a real props unsung hero. At just the shrieks that fucking Buscemi's doing as he's getting straight oh, whipped with that leather with belt. With the, be- the buckle end of the belt. <laughs> oh, God. Smash cut from him being whipped like a little fucking government mule to now like a... Uh, He's got to do the handoff in that state of mind. Yep. He, what, fucking wanders over to a bar. Yeah, fucking... Uh, bloodied up. He makes the fucking call to uh, old to Jerry, Jerry Lundegaard. Wade's listening in on the other fucking line. He wants that money in the he next He hangs up minutes. the phone, grabs the fucking suitcase, marches off to do it by himself, slams the fucking front door of fucking Jerry's house, and then Jerry just has to do that little, like... Dance of impotence. Yeah. Just like, ah, oh, oh, geez, he went by himself. Yeah. I told him not to. He's not. Oh, this isn't going to go well. He's not tough enough to stop not him. Tough enough at or all. Or call him out. He's just like, well, this is clearly going to ruin everything and I'll, lead to my utter downfall. I'll, I'll, oh, jeez. Yeah, I'll let him go and then I'll just follow closely behind. Yeah, right. Fucking in the car on the way there. Wade's now the one practicing his lines, he's going to say. He t- fucking uh, Jerry says something to Scott. Though I forget where he says. Uh, oh, he's uh, just like, uh, no, don't worry about it. If Stan Grossman calls, just yeah, tell him. yeah, he says he's somewhere. I forget the fuck where. Yeah, but fucking old Wade practicing his lines isn't doing any fake crying. He's doing like dirty, hairy lines that he's gonna say to this kidnapper when he gets yeah. there. Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter, punk? You punk. <laughs> so he shows up. Steve Buscemi's like, what the fuck? Who the fuck are you? Wade instantly starts rich white guy barking orders at him. Like, where's my daughter? Give me my daughter. He's hitting him back with the same thing. Put the money down. Grab the fucking money. No gene, no money. Yep. (sighs) And then Steve Buscemi's like, fuck this. Pulls out his gun and just shoots him in the heart. Oh, (laughs) jeez. I love how it goes through his fucking down parka, too. And you just get that little... 
hoof a goose feather where the fucking bullet goes into his heart. Same thing when Stormare guns down that dude from yeah. behind. Yeah, but there's just that oh geez moment where Wade's just like, this is the first time anybody's ever not done what I told them to do in my entire life. I How love, did this work out this way? Love that drawn out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but before he dies, he manages to get off one shot of his gun yep. and just glances Buscemi all across the side of his face in the most perfect way to create the most disgusting fucking gore uh, through the rest of this goddamn God. movie. His entire cheeks just split from fucking earlobe to fucking the corner of his mouth and he's bleeding goddamn everywhere. Uh, his face falling off. He's using just fucking shitty bar napkins the rest of the uh, movie just to fucking he's trying to it. pick those napkins off of uh, the fucking dried blood on this God wound. damn. No, great horror movie effects yeah. throughout the fucking rest of this shit. But yeah, fucking uh, Jerry follows, sees fucking Steve Buscemi tear an ass out of this parking garage yep. where this happened, goes to the top, sees his dead father-in-law, and is just given more like, Oh, this isn't working out, and I have no plan how to deal with it. Incompetent boob fucking reactions. He he pops the trunk. Mm-hmm. Are we led to believe that he, like, puts Wade in the trunk of the car? Mm, possibly. I think he was just trying to see if, like, what happened here? Is the wife around? Is the money around? Can I at least find the money anywhere? I think is kind of what he's looking for. Well, because moving forward here, no one can find Wade. Okay, so definitely he threw him in a trunk for I'm sure. Thinking, then. Yeah. yeah. Had to have. Somebody would have found that fucking corpse laying there. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of blood because there's, there's all that down. Sucks it right up. It's perfect. Just throw him in the trunk of that car. You don't got to deal with this thing. Yeah. You don't see the problem. It just goes away. So he comes back home. And just sits down and stares at the ground. Can't even get his boots off. And Scotty's yelling from upstairs. I love how everything's yelled from upstairs to downstairs. Yeah. That's some real suburban living right there. Oh, yeah. Dad, Stan Grossman called twice. <laughs> Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Once again, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. And uh, hopefully all this goes away. Hey, sleepy. Yeah, for, for fucking sure. So, uh... Ooh, right here, it looks like uh, my notes have ended, which uh, means maybe I got to do a little refresh You got a part two? On the, uh, I got to get a little cloud update here, okay. This oh, is where... We're going uh, crazy down here at the lake. This yeah. This is my next bullet point now that this is refreshed. This is where the deputy goes to talk to uh, the uh, bartender. The character I identified with most in this the, movie. The uh, blue ox the Old man with a push broom. Sweeping the snow out of his driveway. You got to. You got to. If it's just yeah. that that light powder on top of the yeah, ice you, right there. If you stay up, you're not going to want to be digging you your fucking shovel into all that no. shit, hacking it up. No, you a lot just quicker to just sweep, sweep that shit right to the end of the fucking driveway. I love this guy's delivery. There's like no punctuation in his delivery. Like just one sentence bleeds into the next. He's yep. relaying this story. Oh, this funny looking guy came down to the bar and he tells me and I told him blah blah blah. So basically. This is where the date with the hooker... What do you mean funny? <laughs> funny in the general sense. He's Buscemi's going around all the small town bars asking the bartenders to get him hookers. Like, yep. that's a thing you can do. Yep. In fucking middle of nowhere, Minnesota. And then starts threatening this guy that he's going to murder him and telling him about all the people he's murdered in his life. Yep. Basically, this, this random guy is going to lead the cops directly to Steve Buscemi because yeah. he 
can't keep his fucking mouth shut for like two seconds. Anywhere he goes, he's got to be the blustery little fucking asshole. I like also he rattles through every little bit of it. He throws out multiple times. Yeah. Bouchard would be like, hey, he's going crazy up at the lake. That's right. Blah, blah, blah. Up at the lake. And then when he's finally done, end of story. End of story. And the cop's like, oh, we'll keep an eye on over there or whatever lake. And he's like, oh, no, the bar's closer to Moose Lake. So I assumed that. Yeah. I just thought there's so many fucking lakes around here. These, these assholes can't keep track of all the lakes. It's the land of a thousand lakes. That's too many lakes, man. Yeah. And then business done. So, of course, Midwest, what's going to do? Go back to sweeping. You've got to cycle into that talk about the weather. <laughs> it's what you got. Well, duh. Looks like it's going to be a cold one tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a front coming in. Sure and they is. just both turn in opposite directions and stare up at the sky. That's what you do. <laughs> They're seeing the cold front coming in. Take a look at those cloud patterns. If you're not talking about what you're getting for lunch. You're talking about what the weather is going to do. Absolutely. It's one of those two I've been having a right lot there. of those conversations this week. Oh. Talking to people. They're, yeah. Hey, you heard anything about the snow this year? What are they saying about the snow this year? I haven't heard anything yet. You heard anything yet? Uh, next scene, Marge is still in Minnesota, and she's having a talk with some girl she knows from back in the day. And this is where we get all the backstory to Mikey Hanagina, where she's telling her, oh, no. Oh, not yet. Not yet. This is uh, the next scene is where Buscemi realizes there's a million in the case. Oh, sure, And he's sure. bleeding he all over that the fucking case. car. He's bleeding everywhere. He's yeah. putting little fucking dinner napkins. This is <laughs> important. Because he decides... Yeah, I'm going to take fucking that 80 grand that Stormare knows about. I'm going to hide the rest of this money, not cut him in on it. Fucking, I'm going to be a rich man. He goes out in the snow, buries it along a fence line. That's right. Uses the snow scraper. Same one that uh, Jerry had in his car. and Stick that out of the snow. Now you got yeah. a little treasure hunt going. Have you seen there was a movie about two years Kumiko, ago? Kumiko the Treasure Hunter. Did you watch that I've one? I've seen that movie. Was it any I good? I remember it being decent, not great, yeah, but right. sort of, interestingly, about the story of a Japanese girl. Who finds a VHS of Fargo. Yeah, came from Tokyo, thought it was a true story because it says a true story, and like died out in the snow looking for it. Yeah. But like, interesting if you look into it more, like... That weirdly just got like misreported, and that's not why she was out there. She was just like a depressed lady. Who, oh, it's like, it's a real story. Yeah, yeah. She was an alcoholic, depressed. She went to Minneapolis apparently just because like she was a travel agent who lost her job, and like she had vacation there once with the guy she was dating. Yeah. So like she was just tooling around, drunk and depressed, and like wrote all these suicide notes, and then just went out into the snow to die. Sounds but pretty cool. Somehow like. It got reported that she thought Fargo was a true story and was doing that. So then that became like apocryphal. Everybody thought that story was true. Jesus. So then they made a story. About, so like this fake based on a true story led to this one thing happening that mm -hmm. wasn't a true story that people in real life got told was a true story. And then it led to this other whole fucking movie about this dead Japanese lady. It's a whole tangled web of people not knowing what's real and what's not. That's Facebook meta, man. Yeah, for fucking sure. Decent film, though, not great. Okay, good to know. No, Linda Cooksey, she's doing great. You should call her. Yeah. This is where we learn. Based on, it was just related to nothing else in the movie. Yeah. Another random convo. Mike Yanagita was never married to Linda Cooksey. He's had psychiatric problems. He was really pestering her for like a whole year. Yeah. He's never married to her, was stalking her. She's not dead, did not die of cancer. Yeah. And, uh, oh, he's been living with his parents. He's having it real rough. Yeah. This is a little bit of extra sauce to throw on that scene you sat through earlier. Just because. As if it wasn't fucking awkward. And yeah. 
Huh. Rich backstory. Just nuts. So Marge uh, then does her second interview with uh, Jerry at the car lot where she's just like, ooh, just double checking. You sure you haven't got any cars missing off? At this point, he's lost it. He can't play it cool at all. Car's not on our lap, ma'am. Screaming at this woman out of nowhere, instantly fingering himself as some sort of criminal involved in this whole mess in some, some sort of way. What a jackass. Just screaming at her. Which she sits and she takes it, calm, cool, and collected, and then eventually lets him know, you've got no call to be snippy with me. Yeah. Well, it boils over. Have you done inventory? Ma'am, I answered your questions. I'm cooperating here. He just keeps insisting that he's cooperating by screaming at her that he's cooperating while having a total meltdown. Great shit. So then she's like, oh, maybe I can talk to the owner then. <laughs> he knows he's fucked. Yeah. So just starts screaming at her worse. I'll do a damn lot count. You're darn tootin'. I'll do it right now. Oh, what the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so she's shocked at this man. Just screaming like a wild person. Going yeah. A lot, but kind of just sits there like, hey, I guess I'll wait for him to do it. Well, this guy said he will. So. And then she sees him driving away. It's hilarious. <laughs> he just hops in a car and fucking peels out. Oh, for Pete's sake, he's fleeing the interview. <laughs> That's what she calls it. Uh, so uh, next scene, Buscemi shows back up at the cabin, bleeding, just covered in his own fucking blood. Yep. His face tore open, carrying the fucking little bag with the little bit of money he's going to tell Stormare about. <laughs> just to find Stormare sitting there watching a soap opera uh, starring Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's... Yep girlfriend is telling him that she's pregnant and Stormare has like a visible reaction to it. He's like shocked watching this so far. We're like, oh my god, it. she's pregnant? First thing that shocked him He's the whole fucking movie. Bushami shows up and sees that the fucking uh, the, the hostage is just dead. Next to the <laughs> oven. She's like, what the fuck did you do? So she Stormare started was, shrieking. She started shrieking. <laughs> Great fucking shit. Bushami's like, here's your half of the thing. Uh, I'm going to take the car. You take my truck. Stormare's like, we split the car. And this is when Buscemi has had enough. It's a fucking car. You can't split a fucking car. What do you do? Take a chainsaw to it? One of us pays the other for half. So Buscemi, once again, he's he's just, he knows he's got fucking the rest of the bulk of this fucking million dollars sitting he's swindling this guy out of, but just can't leave good enough alone and be like, cool, I'll pay you for half of this shitty fucking Oldsmobile. Gotta try. He's gotta fucking try to, to stand big up dick for himself one more, one last time. It's fucking, I'm fucking bleeding here. I did all the work, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm taking the car, fucking end a story or whatever. Storms out. Ah, I got one up on him. I you finally put my mute. foot down. To which he then turns around and sees that Peter Stormare wearing only a hat and boots and uh, fucking some long johns. He's got them Converse space boots. He's coming at him with the fucking axe. Yeah. And he only has enough time to let out a little fucking hilarious like baby scream. Just at the realization he's about to get a giant axe swung at him. He's going to be axe murdered. Yeah. So he gets fucking axe murdered right here. Steve Guy that's does. like a foot taller than him he's, coming down with a, big a fella. lot of leverage. He's a big fella. He ain't got to survive that, Nate. Next scene, Marge is driving around Wood Lake. There's the car! There's the car! My car! 
sitting in a fucking driveway. <laughs> they just got it sitting in a driveway, visible from the fucking street. Such fucking good There is shit. zero fucking police work done in this fucking movie. <laughs> just these, these criminals just leave them the trail of breadcrumbs to everything they're fucking doing throughout the entire thing. She's just not the only a procedure smart at enough all. to follow them. You though. don't got to pay attention to the procedure part of this story, no. which I love. I fucking hate that shit in movies. Yep. Yeah, she goes, investigates the area, and this is where the wood chipper scene happens. It's just the fucking infamous wood chipper scene. She hears a whirling of a machine in the distance. She follows it, gets a little closer, pulls her gun. Big reveal. What is it? It's just Steve Buscemi uh, getting shoved in a wood chipper by Peter Stormare. Yeah. Or specifically, just his socked foot sticking out of the top of it while just blood sprays in the opposite direction. Stormare, what was the plan here? Stormare grabs a log to try oh, to jam to the foot in the down log. in there. So fucking She's yelling good. at him to like put his hands down and what, he just can't hear because he's right next to a wood chipper. She yells police going at and then points to the badge on her hat. Right, that's right. And then he's just like, oh, fuck. And he turns and just starts running. Yep. But there's nowhere to go. It's just like when the, the fucking wife was running earlier. There's nowhere to go out here. It's just like when he shot the guy in the field earlier. Fortunes have been flipped. Where does he think he's running to? Cliffs on both sides. He can't paddle to New she's, Zealand. She's just not as good of a shot as Stormare is, well, though. It's, it's a great little uh, fucking parallel here where Stormare put one right in the spine. She is a good shot. She shoots him in the leg. She makes a choice. She shoots twice. She misses the first. She misses the first because she's shooting at his moving legs and not at the center fucking target because she's trying to take out one of his legs so she can bring him in alive because she's Marge fucking Gunderson right here. Nah, she's making the suspect. choice to do the right thing. Even after she's just looked at the most disgusting, vile thing a person could possibly walk into. This guy's a demon. This guy's basically a demon. That's why you shoot she it. Lets she lets him live. She lets him live. Then we get the scene where, because she let him live, she's taking him in. Fucking uh, got him cuffed in the back seat. She's lecturing him. Gives her a second to put the rest of the story together <laughs> like she likes to do. That's right. She's, she's telling him, there's, there's what, all of this for what? A little, a bit, little of money? bit of money. Oh, there's more to life than a little bit of money. Don't you know that? She's talking to the most evil man on the planet, thinking she's going to get through to him with just a little down-home Midwestern wisdom here. I just don't understand it. The fucking line in the film right here. I just don't understand it. Then, And it's a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a beautiful day. It's the day. same gray, cold, it's miserable day fucking as the rest of the fucking outside. movie. It is not a beautiful and day. Stormare knows it. That yeah. fucking look He's he just, gives as they this, pass up that fucking Paul Bunyan statue she, one last time. As He's they thinking, brainer. What is she talking about? Barbecues and ball games, basically, right yeah, here. Yeah, right. Vincent Hanna and Marge Gunderson, opposite sides of this police coin. Yeah. They could never understand each other. They could never live each other's lives. <sighs> There's just a line there. The simple fucking people and the people who got to be in the game. Stormare, just, uh, just, just looking just at staring. that statue. Just staring. <laughs> uh... Is this your Burgundy 98 out there? This is my next fucking bullet point because we get the scene where William H. Macy gets tracked down at the fucking shitbag hotel. Oh, just outside of Bismarck? Just outside of Bismarck. 
great scene where they bust in on him because they found the car that he's probably the car he stole off the fucking lot. We watched yeah. him do it and just oh, just looking for that car. They found him. There he is. They drag him out of the fucking bathroom window in his underwear, in his fucking Shoney's, just squealing like a pig. Oh, God. There's never a more pathetic moment than here. He's so committed in that just scene, though. squealing the and way squirming. he's yelling, like, that's Ugh. a man that doesn't want to go to jail. This is an actor who's not afraid to look completely fucking feckless oh, on the screen. God. No fucking ego in this performance whatsoever. Like, that's a real thing. I've seen people lose their shit over going to jail. Oh. And that's a genuine reaction. Yeah, got to happen he's every day. <laughs> nailing it, man. Like, ugh. I wrote to it Christ. as I'm watching him being drug out of this hotel room. Wonder who's uh, sitting with Scotty <laughs> the last uh, couple days as he's run off. Like, like, where's Scotty at? What's Scotty doing? So my thinking exactly is like, I want to see where we learn what happened to Scotty. His mom's dead. The grandfather's dead. William H. Macy's getting hauled off to prison. Thinking he's living with Stan Grossman? Gotti's just like a millionaire fucking high school kid now. Oh, that's, man, that's pretty He's taken care yeah. of. Well, if they Wade ever promise. Ever find Wade's body, we never well, find that loose end. I think I, at the very least. I have a feeling they're going to find it in the Stan back Grossman's of that car, probably. It's, it's probably going to happen yeah. here. Uh, One that pretty much wraps everything up. Oh, oh, oh no. A little bit there's, of business. There's still another storyline we haven't wrapped up. Somebody... They announced it, is my next bullet There point. you go. <laughs> We're back in the bed in the, uh, the, the son of a Gunderson household. Mm-hmm. Norm lets us know. They announced the winner of that competition. Fucking, unfortunately, uh, his rivals got the 29 cents. His mallard's only going to be on that three cent, Matt. Nobody uses the three cents. Three cents, good. No, nobody uses the three cents. No, Come on. when they raise the prices on stamps, well, everybody's got them old they're stamps. They're stuck with all the old ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people need one those last three stamps. We learn, and he's like, okay with it. He's just like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to be happy. My mallard painting got on a three cent stamp. This is probably going to be the biggest thing I accomplish in my entire life. We're just going to live in this house, eating fattening food together and being nice to each other. I love... And that's enough. Right in that instant, you're like, well, maybe it's kind of a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just fucking, bam, hit you one last time with that Fargo right. score <laughs> to let you know that no one's happy. <laughs> Out no in the rest of the happy. world, outside of this bedroom... They're not even like As they I, think they're happy. Too, like there they're is fooling themselves. No character development in this movie whatsoever. Marge no. is our protagonist, but she comes in fully formed, witnesses all this horrific stuff, ends the fucking movie the exact same fully yeah. formed person she was when she went into it. Nobody else could pull this off and make it satisfying as a narrative. No, <laughs> other than the Coens. It, it lands, baby. It lands. Ah, <clears throat> choking here. Good thing we're gonna be. At the break. Go yeah. <coughs> Cue up the break. That's we right. got paid advertisements. Coming attractions. Advertisements. Get some money. Fargo, gonna enter Judgment Day. What do you want me to do what I beg you to do? Now you come to me and you say... I'm Corleone, give me justice. You come into my house and you ask me to murder me. I ask you for justice. That is not justice. 
They want to get mixed up in the family business. You got to get them close like this. Bada bing, you blow their brains all over your nice side release suit. Give him one message. I want Salazar. Now it's all out war. We go to the family. Some back. of the other families won't sit still. They can't handle Salazar. My father wouldn't want to hear this. This is business, not personal. They shot my father. Even the shooting of your father was business, not personal. You know my father. Men are coming here to kill him. this for you. I worked my whole life. I don't apologize to take care of my family. And I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string held by all those big shots. It's not personal. It's strictly business. The flight is in the air. Hijackers are on board. Who's in charge? You are. One passenger is fighting back. You, back your seat. God, please. Critics call Passenger 57 a non-stop, nail-biting action adventure. Snipes is sensational. Chill out. I'm wearing good guys. Wesley Snipes is Passenger 57. You ever play roulette? On occasion. Always bet on black. Rated R. Here we go talking right now. Judgment Day, Matt is. Yeah, uh, it's a segment we do. Segment we do every we week. Just recorded the whole. I thing love all of now it. It didn't record because every week we've got new fucking problems coming up on the whole fucking uh, tech side of the. You've equation. got reviews. I've never heard them. I don't care. Matt, I'm gonna read these reviews. You're gonna pretend like you've uh, never heard them before. We're I react do. To them. Nate, I do a lot of pretending on this show. That, I am ready. This first one Ninja Star Love review you listeners. Love is you from, so uh, get this, <laughs> this is going to be crazy for you, a, a guy named Not a Goth 07 Hey, Oh, man. Uh, Not a Goth says. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a very coherent review. I bet. All the sentences are going to be good. as full sentences. He says, if you actually watch the film uh-huh. and walk away saying you seriously liked it, I am afraid you are a true gargoyle. Oh, what? The acting in this. Come on, then explain. How is this bad? Why do they talk like lizards? A blind spaniel could have made me lizards feel more comfortable with his portrayal of the characters. I mean, how this film could be rated as okay, even, is an insult to any good movies. I turn the movie off in disgust because, before it could even finish me off. Finished off like a Chekhov joke. Might have stumbled upon a joke like that. One f- yeah, I already yeah. read this review once. No, I haven't heard it, though. Weird. A terrible acting made me squirm uneasily in my seat, as if a bunch of infants were trying their damnedest, but just weren't up to the task. Siwaji. A nonsense word. Just Siwaji. Swa. If there was a hazard perception test while watching this Hell movie, yeah. I wouldn't have stopped clicking. Please sure. send a written apology to the creators of the movie <clears throat> that their head wasn't clamped and stamped Beetle the day right? after it released. Oh, good joke. Spam. What? 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 Oh, there you go. Oh. Spam is his last sentence because he 
Sounded he was begging for a ham is what it was. He's the Carl Budding Ham of the Week. Raise that roof. Oh, yeah. Raise yeah, that roof. There's a lot of energy. Raise that Probably roof. Probably because this yeah. is the first time we've ever recorded yeah, this. Yeah, dog. Just segment. feeling. So just, just vibing. Just with it. We're just fucking vibing, vibing right now. We hit the fucking vape. Oh, I had During to. During the break. Just, we're just vibing right now. Fucking get this shit going a little bit. Get the juices flowing. Got Matt, to. Matt, this next one Ninja Star review is from a letterbox user named Eureka. Whoa, Eureka. Not like the exclamation when you my... have a good idea. Or the castle. The, the Asian sounding name. Off the top of my head. Or the castle. They, they, they've got a woke uh, <clears throat> perspective that I want to hear. I want to hear your reaction to, Matt. I want to hear love, what you have to say with what they say. We're, we're, we care about the wokes. Eureka says. The wokesters. Beefing with the Mike Na- Yanagita scene. Mm-hmm. The only non-racist scenario is that the person was actually Asian. True. Because this claims to be based on a true story. They I know. I'm hurt. So I've heard. The person better have really been Asian. Yeah. Right? If the directors just put in a fictional Asian person uh-huh. for an emasculating subplot, eye roll emoji, mm-hmm. they are trash. Mm. Also, casting a Korean dude when clearly the character is Japanese, sus. Oh, yeah. Zero trust already because of their portray of the native dude. Smoke your peace pipe? <laughs> right, right. Why engage racial discourse sure. when you literally have zero sure. follow-up or insight? Sure. Lazy. Absolutely. Just cast an all-white Arby's-eating cast at this point if you're not going to have any POC protagonists. LOL, the white imagination. Absolutely. Eye roll emoji. Yeah. Eye roll emoji. Yawn emoji, yawn emoji. One ninja star from Letterbox user Eureka. Couldn't agree more. Throwing me a curveball there. I thought you might have something to say in defense of uh, that movie where they wanted all the Swedes to be. The movie's good and you're a dick. Get over yourself. Life happens. Quit tearing down people to make yourself feel better. Not everything's a fucking crime. You say that it's a good film. You know who agrees? Who's Letterboxd that? user Bran. Bran? Uh, gives this a five Ninja Star review. Wow. Five Ninja Star review. But he's got, he, needs, he needs to hash something out with you. He wants to know. Bran's good for your diet. It helps you poop. He says. Yeah. Something a little fruity about fucking a girl in the bed next to your buddy who's also fucking a girl. Okay. Five Ninja Stars. Love the film, but just got to let you know. Got to question it. We've all been there, huh? You know? Absolutely. Just, just, just banging a lady? fruity about that. It's normal, no. especially if you're watching yeah. fucking talk shows afterwards. You know what he just gets? Good time. You know what he gets? A sound effect, maybe? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. It's fun. What is that, like Homer Simpson laughing? Uncle Nick. Who? Oh, the character Uncle Nick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's, that's weird. Put that one in the rotation. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, I like it. His final review, Matt, is a five Ninja Star review from an IMDb user named Justin Jager. Uh-huh. First and last name there, Justin Jager. Oh, the Jager man. No, you might as well put his address Double there. Double J. IMDb account right there. Spell, <clears throat> is it spelled with a J? Spelled Jager with a J? a very serious person. It's J-A-E-G-A-R. That's Jager. Yeah, that's yeah, Justin Jager. Jager. Justin. I know a couple of Jagers. Oh, just, it's, it's like the booze. Yeah, that's yeah, right. should... Do a couple bombs after this, probably. You want to? It's, it's getting pretty late. When's the last time we did some fucking Jaeger bombs? To, to, no, we just used to fucking shoot Jaeger for bombers. Yeah, just like a gentleman. To make a bomb out of it. You could fucking just drink the, that syrupy. Uh, the Bono Cheers bullshit. started with us drinking Doing shots it. of Jaeger and just 
Yeah, that tracks. To Bonner. That, that seems to Bonner? Like probably something we did in our past. Because he's German. Justin Jaeger says, Yeah. This movie me. was so stunning to me. Absolutely. That the day after I viewed it, I was rewatching parts of the movie in order to analyze the masterpiece. Oh, wow. It is one of those rare films which can have you talking about it the next week. Wow. So much of the credit, Matt, oh. goes to Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Who is so devoted to his role and he, made his character what he was. He's good. As you watch the movie, you will start to identify the traits of his character. He's good. Which may be disguised at first. In my opinion, the whole film is about this man's character. Absolutely. It's about what will satisfy him in the end and how cold he is. We all agree. Many people will choose to ignore the meaning in movies. Mm-hmm. And if you were this kind of viewer, don't bother. Mm-hmm. This is for people who take a lot of interest into films. Five Ninja Stars from IMDb user Justin Yeager. Who loves DDL in Fargo? I can't even get it to do the thing. Oh no! Now I can't. Even, I can't even now our sound effects thing. are malfunctioning. I d- oh wait! Uh. Yeah, <laughs> worth the wait. Sometimes you gotta. Sometimes you gotta. Matt, let's get into your final thoughts and your Ninja Star rating of Fargo. I'm dying to hear Oh, that. thoughts. I don't Can't have many. I try to not do them. Uh, as I've clearly stated before, you know, I was just going to try to rattle off whatever Coen Brothers movies you've mm-hmm. said that yeah. I've already forgotten. Okay. So none of this matters. The real thing, though, I love Fargo. Oh, I remember you saying that before. Yeah. Car- I mean... Cargo. Before when we talked about it, not like as if we had just recorded a very similar song no, yeah. to this a few minutes ago. Cargo Bros, they wrote mm. this? Yeah, that's no, right. I'm wearing cargos. I'm the Cargo Bros. Cargo Spants. comfortable. I'm going to make them, I'm gonna make them cool what again. What are you keeping in all those pockets? Mostly I put my Snacks flask there. Stuff? I put the fucking water bottle there. Just like some yeah, loose yeah, yeah. cereal and like a... Put up your dukes. I got no fucking dukes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Fargo fucking kicks dick. The Coen Brothers... Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to watch their movies. Dirty and white I'm boys? like, no, I want to watch their movies because they're always fucking good. You mentioned uh, in an alternate universe, Luan Davis. Inside Luan Davis. God, that movie's that about movie. just dying That's inside during the winter. Winter set film that'll, yeah. I got a fat little orange cat bones. that follows me around and yells at me now. I should probably watch that movie again. That's going to strike a chord. It's going to hit me differently yeah, it's gonna now. it's going to hit you on a new it's level. Pro- I'm probably That's what these movies do when you rewatch them. You, yeah. You're peeling back layers. You're discovering new things every time. Fargo's fucking phenomenal. Peter Stormare is a good friend of mine. We tried to do business together. We couldn't work it out. He was going to fly me out to L.A. do business. Couldn't, it, it just didn't work out. How does he keep the two separate? Doesn't mean we don't respect each other professionally. Uh, killer film. Fucking four ninja stars. Four ninja stars from Matt Wow. Good mm-hmm. score. If we're not talking about a Coen Brothers masterpiece. Yeah. I think that's a little low yeah. in my opinion. Matt. I like Raising Arizona. It's a little low in my opinion. That's I a think, five banger. I think this might be my favorite film of the 1990s. I You're might go nut. that far. You're a nut. What about fucking uh, all of them? Reservoir Dogs? Is that what you're going to say? I know you love Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Don't put your gun in my dad, Larry. You, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. Ten years of post-pulp fiction, Tarantino rip-off, crime and violence indie movies, and this one soars above mm. all the rest of them. 
took William H. Macy and Francis McDormand, two funny-looking character actors, just made them A-list stars you could build a whole fucking movie around, won Oscars despite being weird and gross. He did the he strangely did the fucking, constructed the the shoveler off of this he movie. He got the shoveler role off of this movie. That's big. She was the billboards lady because of this movie. Absolutely. He got to work with Hank Azaria because he was working with Peter Stormare. Not a lot of people. Peter Stormare let him crawl so he could run. That's right. Uh, So much happens in 98 minutes. This is one of my favorite films. Five ninja stars. Full five ninja stars from Nate Adams. That's a, are you sure? That's a I'm lot. Going all the way. That's a lot of ninja stars. Got like stars. five or six Cohen movies that all are five five star five ninja star films. They're they're some of my favorite filmmakers. This one, the Lauren Davis, mm-hmm. uh, that Big Lebowski, Ex Machina, there, fucking probably. That's totally you somebody love that else one for sure. Yeah, uh, and probably the second Cannonball. Hudsucker Proxy. Everyone puts that one at the top. It's unstoppable. That's a good movie, though. Matt, we're coming into Thanksgiving week. Uh, there's a little tradition that's developed over the years where people people spend watch the, day. the uh, Star Wars trilogy watch, on Spike. They watch the Godfather movies. Oh. Uh, they they run them uh, all day long, and people sit down and watch them. And I'm I'm using this opportunity to fuck you. I hate you've you. Been, you've been holding out all these years, refusing to watch the Godfather. Like a just little bratty baby, to watch. just refusing to watch. I know everything Everybody that tells happens. You, you got to watch The Godfather. It's one Fredo of the greatest guy movies over of all time. Brando, and there's a like, horse in that. Sounds bed like you're talking about Godfather too, right there. I don't even, Guys, don't even know what fucking eating a donut, walking down the Finally street. Finally, You're gonna have to sit down and watch <sighs> The Godfather. How much Brando you think I'm going to do next week? I, I want to know if you're going to watch the whole trilogy after I get you to watch this first one. You're going to be like, oh my God, it was so good. I got to watch the rest of them on TNT programming. Do you think I even watch the full first one? How long is it? It's very long, Matt. It's do you a think very I'll long watch film. it or do you think I'll just find like some fucking breakdown? Of Are you going to read the spark notes of The Godfather and come Wish in here pretending like you watched me? I tell you what, if there's a way to streamline this. This is serious. This I is would. podcasting. I would. This is I'll baby out. oil and blow, I've got no integrity. But do I do because I do it for you, the fucking fans. You know that. I love you. I'm here for you. Nate's a piece of shit. He doesn't care about you. I do. Yeah. Tune in next week. I'm, I'm going to build you up. It's baby oil and blow. Stay single. It's a long road when you're on your own And it hurts when they tear your dreams apart And every new town just seems to bring you down Trying to find peace of mind your heart It's so